Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Um, boy, I guess I should just say what the name of it was. Uh, Conspiracy Impossible is what I named this week's episode. <laughs> okay. What about you? What do you call this one? Uh, I called this one Corey, Marty, and Johnny. Oh, that's good. Because of the good writing, because it was not at all a CW drama that we were watching. Then about half an hour ago, as Katie was finishing up dinner, she wandered into my office and saw the pop-up on the screen, and I'd already walked out, and she said, what are, what does Corey and Johnny mean, and why do you have it in half an hour? <laughs> it's an important meeting. I have this every two weeks with Corey, Marty, and Johnny, and I don't need to explain this to you. They're my friends. And then sometimes one of them says to me, I don't even know who you are anymore. <laughs> Yeah, it's a thing we do. It could happen. That could happen. But it uh, for us, it's not going to happen till the end of the show. So yeah, okay. <clears throat> Some good news about that. It's true. It's true. We have a we have an order on this project, people. But I'm not going to explain it yet because we got mailbag first. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is the last one of these we're doing this year. Yeah. And then I got holiday travels. I got to travel with a with a little two year old boy. I know. <sighs> Ain't no break, man. There's no break. For holidays or anything else, it's just I'm not anymore. Go until you sort of signed that away. Dead. I'm gonna go until I'm dead, and that's it. That's it. If you're lucky, what if Q shows up and makes you uh, relive the past and undo some regrets that you weren't really sure you had to begin with? Uh, we'll talk about it for fucking three hours just that episode. But yeah, I'll I'll be like, haha, then the, you can either die cool or you can live like a real lame-o. But then it, it's a false problem. I'm just going to let you live anyway. It's fine. Just yeah, yeah, live either yeah. way. Well, I mean, what probably happen is you'll change some little thing and then you'll wake up an unremarkable man mm. in a, a dreary man and an unremarkable... I forget how, how he said it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm going to let you live anyway. It's not... what well, The choice was But wasn't then you'll real. be like... I was kind of, honestly, I was kind of looking for this. <laughs> That's right. No one looks at I me get, or talks to me. It's great. I get three three tickets come in every day that I have to handle, and I know how to do all of them. I report to Jordy, and he's not a bad boss as long as you're not late. Yeah. If you're late. And by the way, I am punctual. Yeah, I'm super punctual. <laughs> it's brought up in my fucking meeting. You know what? We're blowing all this good stuff about this episode we're going to talk about. <laughs> That's okay. Time. We'll talk about it all again for sure. <clears throat> Should but we do I a mailbag? Yeah, let's do a fucking mailbag. Okay. Mailbag by Brother Date. On the 8th, Ryan wrote, I'm only slightly embarrassed to admit that I don't even know the head coach's name this year. I'm assuming I'm Sharks. Man. Yeah, it's Sharks talk. Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> Quinn. That feels right. Is that... Do you think it's maybe as Quinn? Feels right. Quinn, either first or last name, I'm going to... I would bet $50 on that. That feels pretty good. 
Listen, I'm willing to believe you. The only thing is that I always have in the back of my head that fucking Channel 2 newsreader mm. who uh, just read his teleprompter and read the four fake names of the <laughs> Asiana Airlines pilots. Yes. <laughs> Which were uh, racist jokes, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And probably when he got through Bang Ting Ow, he was like, that doesn't, that one, that doesn't, one doesn't sound right. real. That doesn't sound right, though. <laughs> Is anyone going to save me? Is anyone behind the camera going to save me at all on this? No. Well, it's just one, me out here. One huh? more to go. Holy fuck. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was it for me. <laughs> well, career's over. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for your diligent work, making sure that the stuff on the teleprompter was totally real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whenever someone says someone's name if i don't know about it i gotta roll it around in my head to be like am i about to say something dumb (laughs) i don't want to just read the teleprompter here earlier marjan looked at me and asked me how many teeth humans have and i said 40 and she said is that a lie and i was very disappointed she couldn't tell (laughs) (laughs) i see because i would have said which humans (laughs) that's right well i got 27 that's right what of it uh yeah the sharks were briefly frisky but they're back to being ass again so it was a fun week or two when the sharks were uh just randomly randomly beaten teams listen the only thing i the only time i think about the sharks these days is if i gotta go to that one shopping center that's on coleman uh-huh and then I think to myself, is this the kind of, is this the time of day and the day of the week that there could be a hockey game or can I go right past the arena? Yeah, that is tough. Marjan always has weekend plans with the boy and I always, always forget to tell her there's a Titans home game <laughs> and she gets yep. caught somewhere near downtown or something stuck in people trying to get out of the stadium. And I always feel really bad about it because I do mean to tell her, but like there's so much other shit I got to do all the time and I always forget. And it's bad. So yeah. I mean, they still get me sometimes where I think, well, this doesn't feel like a hockey time. And then I get out there and it's, you know, some other event, some multi-level marketing conference or something is taking place there. Mm-hmm. That seems like the kind of thing that the arena can pull. I mean, that's the kind of thing that happens in the middle of the day on a weekday, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I, well, I, first of all, I don't know what you're talking about. They had... Okay, they didn't have the actual conference eBay Live in 2006 or 2007, whichever year I went to that. But they did have the overflow parking for the employees. Oh, well, there you go. That's pretty good. That's not bad yeah. at all. Um, yeah, I don't think I've ever been... I'm trying to think. Have we ever been to the arena for anything not hockey? I mean, I have. So it's like a I circus saw... came there or something? I don't know. Oh, I bet the circus did come there. Yeah, something um, like that. I saw one of them alt-rock tours, but in the kind of real big fish era. Oof. Go through there. A late and I 90s don't remember, type? I don't remember everybody that played there, but I did see Dancehall Crashers there. Oh, did they play enough? Uh, they did play enough, <clears> but <throat> one of their amps broke down, so... It wasn't a great. I'm sure it's not their favorite performance to think back on. They're all dead, right? Everybody, in dance <laughs> yeah, all yeah, that's my dead. assumption for sure. They were big in the '90s. They got to be dead of by misery, now. I assume. Yeah, no, they did a great job, though. Great, great career. Uh, great discography. Um, 
did they do any dancing in their music videos? Because I'm, I'm sure they were great at that too. Oh, fuck, man, I don't remember, but I am. <laughs> they are the dancehall crashers, so I just, you know, it's possible. I, I do now want to. I don't remember what that video was. I don't well, remember see. what they look like, or if I ever saw a video by the dancehall crashers. Uh, <clears throat> woman lead singer, right? Yeah, it was a lady. I am confident about that. Almost as confident as I am in the head coach of the Sharks being named Quinn. <laughs> okay. No, this isn't a music video. Maybe there was no music video. <clears throat> That's possible. They were not um, you know, mainstream. Well, it was. Oh boy, it was an Angus. Ah, <clears throat> uh, yeah, they were on that on that shit with the Green Days. I bet it. And the. Uh, I bet it was a warped tour. I bet that's what I saw there. You saw as much as a warped tour? Dang, that's uh, that's legit. I think I might have. You, could, yeah. you might have seen like a space hog or uh a... Oh shit. Nah, I think I'd remember if I saw it. if they played in the meantime. <laughs> of course. I mean <laughs> Can you imagine going to see Space Hog and they didn't and play? And they don't in play the in the meantime. <laughs> You'd be like, I was prepared for one sucks. song. I was ready for <laughs> one fucking song and they wouldn't play it. It was like they looked at me in the crowd and said, We're not gonna fucking do it. You, if you don't know the deep cuts, you're fucked today, buddy. That's why hey, one of my favorite concerts. Spoon. Oh, it better fucking be wax ecstatic. <laughs> I don't know nothing else. Once, uh, my fa- one of my favorite concerts I ever went to was a Metallica concert. I don't even like Metallica, but I loved the concert because they only played the hits. And even well, and I, also... not a Metallica fan, was like, I fucking know this one. Right, you were born in 1984, and uh, the internet didn't get good till you were 20, so you yeah. listened to a lot of radio. Oh, yeah, man. I know those songs. So, when you think about it, uh, when when they start playing them, you're like, I do know this song. Yeah, and the I next do. Like... starting, you be like, I don't know the name of this song, but I do know this <laughs> That's song. That's exactly the experience. Even I weirdly ones, know all the words. Even I don't the ones know the name. I didn't necessarily know the name of or didn't think i knew that well turns out i knew the whole fucking thing and so the entire time i was like this fucking rocks man i'm having a great time i know all <laughs> I know of these all songs, songs. <laughs> shit so the opposite i mean listen that was me when you made me uh everyone go back a hundred episodes when you made me do the led zeppelin bracket uh-huh yeah you were like turns uh, out like, i do know all of these yeah i know every single one of these <laughs> songs basically yeah, well, because you can't play one Led Zeppelin song. It's a, a radio law. You have to get the lead out if oh, you yeah. play them. You, so Exactly. So you've only ever heard them two or three at a time. Minimum a two for Tuesday. Yep. Yeah, for sure. That's what I call it anytime someone plays any act back to back on the radio. I go, oh, they're getting the lead out. They're, oh, they're getting the lead out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that, that it's just is, uh, three Tom Petty songs in a row. You're like, oh, getting, getting the, the lead out, out here. Yeah, I hope the uh, next one's Refugee. Actually, Tom Petty's another great example. Where I bet if you went to a Tom Petty show, you'd be like, fucking know it. I know this one. Hey, guys, oh, yeah, I know I've this heard, one. I, I know that I know at least 15 Tom Petty songs. I couldn't name 15. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, spot, it, would it would be, be that tough. Exact same thing. Yeah. But if they just played him, you go, yeah, I know this one. Heard it 150 yeah, fucking times. One. I know this one. Yeah, man, that's a great. And I bet you'd, a bunch of times you'd say, oh, yeah, I guess this is a Tom Petty song. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I know this one. Yeah, there are certain acts where if they just play the hits, you could have a pretty good time at a concert. But, yeah. um, well, Space Hog only had the one. So <laughs> it's going to be a tough concert no matter what, I think. Probably. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't really. The thing is, the, I only remember the Dancehall Crashers played, and I think I only remember that because one of their amps broke. <laughs> that was the I memorable already played the guitar moment. by that point, and I was like, that's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> 
Wait, is a technical failure like that embarrassing? I just feel like that's something that happens. What are you going to do? I would I would be embarrassed if it happened to me up there oh, in the yes. fucking in the arena. I would just uh afterward they asked me if so, when during the press conference afterward, like you know, like what always happens. <laughs> Which I assume there is. They're yeah. like, "Oh boy, it was a tough moment there when the amp gave out." And I'd be like, "Well, my fault, man. Not my problem." And I'd do the I'd send the earnest meme afterward, the earnest gif of him saying it's not his problem. What if you just made you could just make some shit up? You'd be like, "Yeah, actually, the uh, tour organizers make us rent their amps." So <laughs> that's how it's it all goes. fucking scam. Probably. It's a screw job. Whole thing's a screw job. <laughs> that's right. Just turn it all around. Actually, I played great. I played great out there. And didn't uh, happen to Elastica. Were they here? I don't think they were here. This was the San Jose Arena's fault. You're gonna want to. You're gonna wanna address them with that question. Real shitty amps in San Jose. <laughs> yes, that's right. At some point, you do become a WWE heel, and you start insulting the hometown. <clears throat> that's the oldest bit Was in wrestling, it? and it works a thousand fucking percent of the time. Yeah. You just walk in there and be like, mm, back in Minneapolis, and then you just give a big thumbs down and go, <laughs> and the crowd goes, I fucking hate you! <laughs> you don't talk about Minneapolis like that! It's really good. <clears throat> now you don't think in that particular example there'd be a bunch of people from St. Paul who'd be like, I mean, he's not wrong. Is he wrong? <laughs> he should have come across the fucking river. Is that across the river? It feels like they are. I think it is. Is that a river border? Didn't that bridge collapse one time? Yeah, oh, that sounds that sounds right. Like in the last twenty years? Uh, we got a lot of bridge collapses in this country, so it's hard yeah, to keep track yeah, of all great. of them. Uh, we're doing great. I don't I don't want I don't think about it whenever I'm under an overpass at all. <laughs> Just think. Well, infrastructure is failing everywhere. Infrastructure. Only matter of time before it fails on top of me. I guess. I don't think about like a big slip strike earthquake just pancaking me. That's good. It's good that you don't think about that. Given. They had that big earthquake in China, guys. Uh, this is a current events podcast, and they had a big earthquake. Oh shit! In China. We're doing current events. Um. Then there was a. Uh, there was another earthquake too. Wasn't it was, uh, there was another one, not just China, but um, well, <sighs> should we just start the pot over? No, that's fine. <laughs> you couldn't think of a second earthquake, and you forgot that you can just go to USGS dot. I mean, I oh, sorry, earthquake dot USGS dot gov. Click clack away over here. <laughs> no. Hey, this is my quieter mechanical keyboard. The one with the brown switches is no more. This one's quiet. I mean, there was a 6.2 in Peru. <clears throat> nah, that was 5.7 in uh, Mexico. Nah, that was uh, 7.1 in, uh, well, Vanuatu. What, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, that's their whole deal. <laughs> they live on the Ring of Fire. The Philippines had a 6.9 and a 6.6 six, six, and a 6.4. Maybe I was thinking of the Philippines. Maybe it was the Philippines. What the fuck? I mean, some of these go back to December 2nd, but it looks like the 2nd and the 3rd, there were four magnitude 6 plus earthquakes in the Philippines. Yeah, man. They've been fucking rocking and rolling over there. Man. Yeah. I was going to say, I hope June's okay. Wait. That's Thailand. That's what's up Thailand. That's what what's up Thailand. The name who did Million Million Night Game Kanaba. I will never remember that lady's name. Ah. But that was also filmed in San Jose, so she's fine. Yeah, she's okay. She's all right. She hasn't you can... moved. She hasn't gone anywhere. She's still here. She hasn't gone Don't anywhere. And it. unlike the dancehall crashers, even though both were popular in the 90s, I assume, uh, she's just fine and they're all dead. 
for sure. You know, I bet I, that lady had a pretty rough lifestyle, though. I bet you, I bet you beefed it. I could, I could be. Like I said, I'm pretty sure they all died of misery. That lady. No, I'm talking about. I'm talking about million million dollar lady now. I bet she. Fucking, oh. I bet she fucking raged every night. Because you think she was addicted to booger sugar? Yeah. Hell yes. How else you gonna look? How is he going to host the world's most fast-paced and zany game show? Million, million, now. Game kind of about game now. That's a good question. It's a real good question. All right. <clears throat> well, we only got through one mail item, so. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Ryan posted a uh, picture of a grocery store shelf that seemed to be stocking almost exclusively <laughs> Modelo. Yeah, especially, then, especially. Cause... Especially, particularly. There are... It looks like there's a solid eight or nine sixers of uh, uh, Modelo uh, Negra up there, but yeah. Yeah, man, uh, this looks like it is in the Modelo section of the supermarket. I mean, it really does. And I, the, My favorite part, everyone go look at this picture. Well, actually, there's like four or five things that I like best about this. But one thing that is my favorite is the... the 12 pack of Tecate mm-hmm. that appears to have been abandoned there. Like someone <laughs> down at the other end of the aisle grabbed those Tecates and was like, yeah, I like Tecate. And they got over there and said, no, though, um, it is going to be Modelo. I can't have any one of these 500 Modelos right here. I'll just leave this here. <laughs> it was just sitting there haphazardly. Without a home. Uh, it's this is just Anheuser Busch, right? They just uh, switched production from Bud Light to Modelo. It seems like something it. Something like that. It is uh, the macro wisdom bruise now. I'm drinking a Dosecchi's right now. Amber. Uh, amber. Okay, yeah. it's good. Everyone drinks the uh, special lager, but it's amber for me. I got the fucking amber. Amber alert over here, everybody. <laughs> That's what you always say. Yeah, I just scream into the fridge. Amber alert! And then I pull out a Dos Equis. Uh, and then I text people. I just text Amber alert. And it takes them a second when it pops up on their notifications to figure out whether it's legit. On um, on Greatest Generation, they have a bell ringing, like a desk bell sound effect. <clears throat> you know, those guys get enough pub. Why? Why do they gotta okay. be on uh, our podcast too? This is this is this is a podcast of learned doctors. And I was just gonna suggest that maybe you had named the episode Amber Alert when you said that, and ring and ring a bell because that's what happens on that show. But oh, when they say the thing that the episode is named, yeah, um, it's done in post, so they already know what they've picked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I um. I just the episode name is a special surprise f- from you to me. Yes. <laughs> Although I, you will sometimes catch me very slowly and deliberately writing notes. <laughs> yes. I have to get away from the mic and write my notes about what the episode's going to be called. But I haven't been taking the time to do that lately because I don't know if I told you guys, but um, my life <laughs> is a fucking crater and <laughs> I have nothing in my life that I can do for me. So... Anyway, let's do mailbag. I mean, thanks for taking um, three up to four hours giving the way this one's going so far out <laughs> of your life to do this uh, show with me. No, no, that's cool. I'll go to bed uh, at like three this morning. It'll be fine. Everything's going to be fine, everybody. Amber alert! That's not like a last minute rush before everyone disappears for the holidays or anything, I'm sure. Um, it is weird how busy I've been this week at work. 
you think people would be cooling down, but they're not. Yep. I was like, maybe I'll get a nice quiet week. It'll be fucking cool. Nah, man. What happened is everyone that I work with is a lazy fuck. And they all were supposed to get something done by Christmas. All my clients. And they fucking only realized it this week. They're like, oh, shit, I didn't do that thing I was supposed to do. And then they they pass it off to me so that they can go later. Oh, those guys are slow. I don't know what happened. I sent them a request. It's uh, crazy that they didn't get it done by Christmas. I know their fucking game. You know how it is with vendors. Just uh, fucking lazy over there. I got them the request in plenty of time. That's why my oh yeah man I father right after we talked about it probably <laughs> when I was at UL I knew that Friday from about four p.m. I had to really focus up because all my clients were assholes and they'd be like oh yeah I was supposed to ask for this thing before the week was over and so like <laughs> I'd start getting a ton of emails Friday at four p.m. <laughs> People going oh yeah now by the way can you quote this project uh, yeah you know, here are the details all right thanks that way they could say to them, whoever they answered to no i got that request in last week for sure what's uh one thing that's nice about working with the company i'm working with now is that there's not a lot of people in pacific time so the end of the day is rarely a super busy time that's the time when i can actually get some work done yeah but don't you have to do extra early shit as a consequence i mean a little bit but like i am i am not a night owl anyway so yeah. that, that's not that bad for me. My colleague uh, Daniel is in San Jose, <clears throat> and he has to get up at some insane hours. Sometimes we have a uh, a monthly call with the the BU, the business unit president, who is based in Germany. And oh boy! Okay, well that's a pretty rough time zone. It's seven a.m. for me, and it's fucking five a.m. for Daniel, <laughs> and it makes me laugh so hard. To think of him getting up at 4.30 and getting his coffee and shit. And then logging on to this business call that uh, there's no agenda and there's no purpose. And it's just something we do once a month to get some FaceTime with the, the president of the business unit or whatever. And it's entirely upon us to come up with content for this call that we have once a month. Rather than it being, you know, necessary and important and useful for us. So it just... At my last place I had regular 7 a.m. calls where mm-hmm. I would get on the call and then I would not have to speak for the whole call. Yep. And it's just like, all right, so absolutely made absolutely no difference that I was there. This this helped my, this helped me be more productive today, for sure. Sitting on this I did log call. on in the dark and had the sun come up right in my eyes for about an hour. So <laughs> yep. <clears throat> on the 10th, Ryan wrote, hold up, I need to think about this for a minute. Do all Starfleet officers not go to the Academy? I think I suggested that maybe Troy didn't go to the Academy. I don't think she did, man. I don't think she did. There's no evidence that she did. She never talks about it. Yeah, she is, she never jumps in when everyone's like, oh, my headmaster was a Vulcan mm. or whatever. She's never like, yeah, um, I know Boothby. <laughs> I know. That's a guy, right? I heard Picard uh, say Boothby once. Uh... uh. I know Satelk and also she wasn't even in that episode right <laughs> no I don't think so no because she'd be able to look at Wesley and go, she'd be able to tell whether Wesley was lying, lying or not yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No. she didn't get to be in that many, one many many episodes where she disappears for that reason um yeah okay she ain't in this week's either look all I remember the only thing we've ever talked about with her background is that in the Tam Elburn episode he remembers 
he, that she did experiments on him. Yeah, she was a medical student, and that's all that is said, is that she yeah. was a medical student, or whatever whatever kind of student. And But it does not sound like the Academy or anything like that. It's definitely on Beta Z, so... Yeah. <clears throat> but that's yeah, it. no, she got some other kind of commission. Uh, Ryan goes on to say, like, I sort of assumed that enlisted Starfleet could just go to boot camp, and the Academy is for officers, but is that not always the case? Are some of them going to VMI, and some of them taking ROTC? Yeah, man, I don't know. We ne- The Academy doesn't make sense. Nothing about they the Academy makes sense. fucking think about it. Yeah, because Wesley didn't get in on his first try because he gave too many of his good boy points to Mordok. <laughs> uh, also, there were only four people up, applying for a spot. Yeah. These four super confusing. geniuses are all applying for the one spot, but then it's like, you know who definitely did go to the Academy and presumably did pretty well there? Riker. Riker, not a genius at all. Not a boy genius. We've seen his diploma. He went to the Academy. Yeah, but Wesley couldn't uh, get in. Not smart enough, I yeah. guess. You know who You know who did get in, though? Nog. <laughs> Two years ago, he couldn't read. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure. D- d- that guy didn't do calculus when he was 12. Dwight He Schultz. probably works at Ferengi Abacus real good. I bet he does. What's his name? his name Dwight Schultz? Is that the guy who plays Barkley? Yeah. I'm sure he'd tell you that he was, he was just a diversity uh, enrollee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The yeah. actor Dwight Schultz would say, "Of, would say of the character, not yes." Yeah. Well, why, what's confusing about this scenario? Space affirmative action. Please yeah. just keep keep up. We're talking about actor Dwight Schultz and character Nog. Dwight Schultz is still alive. Yeah. The internet would have been would have gone crazy about it if he died. Yeah, I mean he's an asshole, so he's probably going to live to be 115 or something. It's fucking. It's inconsistent, and it's worse than that because I think it's said that O'Brien did go to the academy. Oh no! Well, come on though. But why did he go there? Was it an accident? Did he not? He wasn't actually enrolled. He just took classes it's, for four years. It's possibly even the case that somewhere it said that O'Brien taught at the academy. Oh, I mean, lots of crazy shit is said. Yeah, in this show. <laughs> so I just think it's like, and and in the drumhead, Simon Tarsis is like, I just didn't want to wait four years. I didn't want to go to the yeah, academy man, for four years, and no one's like, you weren't getting into the academy. <laughs> Yeah, were you one of the four Simon boy Tarsies. geniuses? Because only one of those gets in. Yeah. You so, ass. I don't know. Yeah, the it Academy just, is not make well thought sense. out at all. And later on, when they got like 9,000 ships zipping around and shooting at the Dominion, you're like, how are they, how are they staffing all these ships? What's happening? But here's, the, here's the thing. Physically, the Academy is not big. No. Nah. And we don't know how many ships there are in Starfleet. And with automation, we don't. their crew sizes are probably smaller than the size of the you know the current u.s navy on a ramp for a random yeah but ship, i mean they tell us the crews of some of these ships but logically the federation covers so much space that there are must there are millions of people in starfleet right don't there have to be I think there, there must to be. be which is why the academy and doesn't make any the, sense because we only see officers <laughs> not only that but there must be this is a uh, because i'm an insane person this is the thing i think about but there must be more high-ranking and flag officers in Starfleet than there are in the current Navy because you you must need to break it up. You, a person can only manage so many people, right? Sure. You must need to break it up. There are like admirals who are in charge of a one little sector, right? And an admiral above yeah. them. There must be more officers higher up than there are in the Navy just because if you, if you have a captain in command of a ship. Right. But there's so many ships and sectors, etc. 
Anyway. Yeah, but then sometimes it seems like there's ten ships. You know what I mean? Like it's very confusing. That's why Starfleet has fleet uh, peacetime fleet admirals, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but then how? And like sometimes in TOS, you're like, nah, there's like twelve ships in the fleet, and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. It just don't yeah, make it no never sense, makes sense, guys. They, and they can only. <clears throat> There's never another ship near Earth. Yeah, but and no matter where they are, they're the closest ship. I mean, I don't know. Earth is in pretty settled, pretty safe space. Maybe they don't keep a lot of their assets there, but at still. like headquarters, that that seems weird. At the fleet yards and the main starbase and all, I, well, it seems crazy. Well, yeah, but they couldn't get those ships up in time to fight the Borg. I know. I'm just saying it doesn't make any sense. Whatever they're doing is crazy. They got those uh, those defense perimeter little those little shuttles or whatever. Oh yeah, <laughs> and that what that's what they're defending the solar the, system. The Mars with. defense perimeter. The Mars defense perimeter seems pretty shoddy. Well, the entire idea of a Mars defense perimeter is insane. Like the you warp uh, in, you know, you just warp past Mars. Who gives a shit? A spherical shell at the location of Mars's orbit, yeah, would be undefendable, right? Yeah, but also, I'm not even like, sure if you could realistically defend an Earth-sized planet. You know, I don't know um, in the 2360s or whatever like where mars is compared to earth if it even makes oh, sense you think they moved it well i'm just <laughs> i'm just saying in its they orbit moved it a little closer so it'd warm up <laughs> in its orbit i'm like what what uh, they don't know earth and mars aren't always just swinging around the same place oh, are they it, it is for sure the case that the the battle as depicted seems to suggest that jupiter and mars are in alignment with respect to earth yeah which is interesting um, Which, I mean, it happens. It does happen. And I guess that is what we are supposed to think has happened in the 2360s. But that's the only way a Mars defense perimeter would even matter even a little bit. Because it was really cool. If you had to pass to Mars in, for some reason. <laughs> to come in right in the orbital plane of the solar system. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, nothing about it's Star not Trek smart. makes no it's sense. It's not a smart Ryan. show. Yeah. yeah. It's for it's by dummies for dummies. We're the, and we're the dumbest dummies of all. To have done anyway, this. the does, Starfleet Academy seems tiny, and I don't, I don't think it's conceivable that every officer is commissioned. Uh, you know, every commissioned officer goes through that route. Yeah, you, but you never hear anyone be like, "No, nah, I was, uh, I was actually at the satellite campus on uh, fucking Benzar." So. Hey, fucking, <laughs> what if it explains these sixty-year-old ensigns? What if they're all like Mustangs? You know? I mean, could be like these. That guy was a chief petty officer two years ago. You mean like sixty-eight-year-old lieutenant junior grade Picard or whatever? Well, we'll fucking get to that. That don't make no sense. Also, <laughs> but like, like as we predicted, this, the, we're gonna talk about that for a long time. <clears throat> um, on the tenth, Ryan writes. Hold on, isn't ten kilotons of dilithium a lot? Sounds like. Let's it. chalk this up to another thing we don't really know. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it. Uh, <clears throat> the amount of dilithium that the Enterprise D uses appears to be <laughs> roughly the size of Picard's meditation crystal. <laughs> Sometimes it is maybe his meditation smaller. Crystal. He just swaps it out. He uh, thinks he gets more energy from the dilithium. When um, when Wesley wants to make the Hathaway go to warp speed, Jordy's like, "Yeah, I can make these three guitar pick sized <laughs> flakes of dilithium do the job." Yeah, for a little bit. Just give you a little boost. It's also, it's also not. I would say not totally clear whether it's consumable. Yeah. Or whether they replace it when it's damaged or fractured or something, right? Or when it turns a little green. <laughs> when it just starts turning green, that's when you yeah. got to get rid of it. Or whether it's just a fucking 
It's just a maintenance check item. Every uh, 40,000 light years, Enterprise-D has its D-level maintenance check, mm-hmm. and they inspect the dilithium for micro-fractures and replace it if required. Maybe they're kind of like the batteries that you use in electronic cars, electronic electric cars, where like... Where you expect to replace them maybe once in their lifetime. Yeah, but like even that. then, like, they're still fine. They're like 80% as juiced as when they started, but like, you could still use them for a lot if you wanted to. Or maybe, as long as we're talking about things we don't know about them, maybe you can pick it up and say, Rome, say uh, Rome, and then if someone becomes hella old and horny. Oh shit, that dude was using Winter's Tears? Yeah, it was Winter's Tears for sure. Oh, I know that, that's Winter's Tears. I know all about rocks. I know about everything. I'm a writer. Um, we don't fucking know for sure, but it has never... I've never had seen the suggestion that any Federation ship had anything like 10 kilotons it of seems dilithium. Like a lot. For one thing, that would mean that they had more dilithium aboard than deuterium because we know they were pretty jazzed about getting about <laughs> the 48 70 or 8 pounds, or pounds of deuterium <laughs> in the Silver Bloods episode. These morons. Yeah. They got a backpack no, that's full of a, deuterium. <laughs> It's an insane amount, and uh, it must be worth so much money. Yeah, whatever the the currency is, right? In this that it, space, when those guys were heard heard her say, "We'll trade you ten kilotons of dilithium for ten kilotons of boramite or whatever," they should have been like, uh, "Yeah, yeah, we'll do that." <laughs> I guess we could do that. I guess we could do that. I guess we could do that. We could do that, right? I guess we could do that. But yeah, it's dumb. It's a dumb part of a dumb episode. <laughs> it's hard to imagine. Every time anyone who says spent, a number, it's dumb, though. It, it's hard yeah. to imagine anyone who spent more time on a project who hates the subject as much as we do. <laughs> as much as we hate this one. The number of times we've already said in this mailbag how dumb Star Trek is and how it's always dumb and wrong and stupid and dumb. Um, I did I ask you off air this week if we were perhaps too critical. Yep. <laughs> and I immediately responded with a dumb thing that we'll talk about from one of these episodes. So, uh, yeah, it's a good question. You uh, responded sure with the haters. thing that made me so delighted this week watching these episodes. It was a great time on Voyager. Uh, on uh, Also on the 10th, he said, I'll take names I never thought I would hear on Brother Date for 200, Alex. And I assume... Well, I, so I thought that probably was when I said that there was an AI Luke Bryant on there. <laughs> Why be. would I? Yeah, I mean, we haven't. But that's probably the first else. time we've talked about him, would be my guess. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. We talk about a lot of weirdos. I was like, well, it certainly can't be uh, Jose Canseco. <laughs> we talk about him all the no, time. No, no, no. Well, I mean, uh, and obviously, Ozzy Canseco. This is not his first appearance either. <laughs> no, uh, that's a spoiler. I think he's coming up in this. Oh, no, was that last time? That was last time. Yeah. That can't was be, last time. It was during the mailbag, so he would have heard it. Yeah, it can't be Ozzy. We talk about him a lot, too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he can, first of all, there's no discourse about Jose Canseco that doesn't include Ozzy Canseco <laughs> in some part. That's actually... If we're By the time what? we're talking about... Doesn't he? He calls his daughter poop, right? And then you'd be like, "Yeah, he does." Also, Ozzy Canseco. <laughs> yes, right. Just shrug. Just a big shrug after you say Ozzy Canseco? Question mark. Yeah, that's about right. You know what? That's actually pretty good for Ozzy that he does always find his way into the conversation. I'm, I'm glad for him. 
Because he probably not, there was probably a time in his life where he didn't think that would be true, where he thought I'll just be forgotten. Every conversation about Jose Canseco, but he's part of the discourse around. Oh yeah, Jose Canseco to be sure. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on the twelfth, you posted uh, Pop Craves' uh, obituary, I guess, uh, for Andre Brower, Captain Holt from Brooklyn Nine Nine, to me, uh, who died from a. I guess a pretty uh, aggressive form of lung cancer at the age of 61. Yeah, that was a bummer. And uh, not Pop Crave for any reason other than it was the first one I saw, the first notice. So, Well, there was a minute there where it was uh, people were like, is this real? Is this confirmed? Yeah. So you got well, to I it just, pretty quick. I don't want anyone to think that I'm endorsing Pop Crave. Because we all know oh. about their crimes. In fact, I said to Pop Crave earlier, I says to him, I says... You know what you did, Popgrave. They fucking and it seems like they did. They just fucking sculpted away like oh, I, I, I do know what I did. I'm Popgrave. Uh, uh, yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, that sucks. Enjoyed him very much on Brooklyn Nine Nine, and uh, I had not really, <clears throat> I was not really familiar with him, other, other than that. No, me either. But uh, he kicks ass on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, well, let's lighten this up. Uh, yeah, you... Because uh... I told you I'd used all the best Twitter, all the best tweets, but then I thought <laughs> you, about it. But you're you're back on a tour of a hit, so <laughs> first on the All 18, these but goodies. You reposted a tweet from 2018 where uh, Dean Norris Actor from Breaking known, Bad. Yeah, and, for Breaking Bad. And other stuff. <laughs> tweeted sex gifts <laughs> uh presumably attempting to search he definitely was and i just respect <laughs> the hell out of him because he never took it down it's still no. up it continues to just be there collecting retweets and likes oh no no sex it's got 151,000 likes and 2.8 comments <laughs> and he has left it up it's perfect it's a like once you're caught doing it once you've made the mistake you just have to go yeah I'm just going to, yeah. this is going to be one, part of my legacy now. I'm going to leave it right here for everyone to see. Yeah, I searched for sex gifts <laughs> on Twitter. What uh, about it? You you can think about it and talk about it for a million years. Because, <laughs> like, did he mean to search for sex gifts on Twitter using Twitter search and posted it accidentally? <laughs> That's what I assume. Because you uh, couldn't accidentally which... type it into the Twitter search bar when you meant to type it into the the real navigation fucking bar what do they call that well thing? it i mean so this has changed a bunch over the years and twitter is trash these days but the search bar is under where the search bar would be if my browser still had one i mean i get it but it, they look different and they're they're different they do. i mean it would be really weird to start typing up like a web address into there that would be a weird mistake or it's like a search like, term or whatever like uh that you were just gonna google it was also like that's not how twitter works <laughs> That's like, well, that's you the... could search for a hashtag, but no one is hashtagging sex gifts with hashtag sex gifts. Well, I mean, I and also he I'll made it two out. words, but it's like there's no SEO on hashtag. like Twitter doesn't try to figure out the content of the posts and make that searchable in any way. Hold on, I did so hashtag you really would be gifts. hoping that someone just had a tweet that was like, here's a bunch of sex gifts. And then they mean... were just like a big scroll of them. You're not kidding, man. I searched for hashtag sex gifts and only one tweet comes up and I don't think it's a sex gift. Yeah. So it's yeah. just like 
that's not how Twitter works. So <laughs> that's a mistake. But the thing that is my favorite about it, and again, we could probably talk about this for hours, is <laughs> nothing more specific than that. No, no, no. Just sex games. He'll sort it out, you know, when he gets to it. He'll figure it out. Just give me all of it. Give me all the sex gifts, and I'll figure it out from there. Is I'm Dean Norris. That next to next to each gift, there's going to be a button that says "More like this," <laughs> and you can just like uh, monster factory your way through them. Yeah, you just you click uh, random, random like this, and then you just always pick the lower left corner. Also, the dude knows himself. He doesn't need a whole video. That's right. T- Twenty five looping seconds is enough for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you string four or five of those in a row. They're the right ones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. D-Norris yeah, yeah. is going to pop, like man. This button, for sure, you've got it. Then you've got a, a D-Norris explosion. <sighs> yeah, it never has, uh, never has taken that down, though. No, it's still there. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, yeah. Cool, uh, also from 2018, there's a... Man, how to even describe what this is? <clears throat> There's a an article. That... Uh, it's basically uh, CJ McCollum talking about um, all the players who keep joining the Warriors. This is, again, 2018, so that they can be on the best team and win rings or whatever. And how he would never do that. That's crazy. Anyway, he's responding to the article and the way it portrays him or something, and he's mad about it. And then <laughs> somebody... <clears throat> Which right now it looks like it's supposed to say focused and trying dubs forever, but focused is misspelled. Focused is misspelled. Don't think, don't don't don't, <laughs> don't concentrate on it. But focus is is misspelled. Anyway, Chalk Delight nineteen eighty says win a playoff game then talk, and he replies to her in one of the all time great athlete tweets. I'm trying, Jennifer. I'm trying, Jennifer. <laughs> it's perfect. It's one of the most perfect tweets ever. I'm sure I've already talked about it on this pod. But I had to, <laughs> I had to repost it. I'm trying. It is one of the greats. <laughs> it's so earnest. It's so yes. great. <laughs> he didn't have a defense for it. He didn't have a comeback. He didn't have anything to throw back in her face or anything. He just, he is trying. Uh, and everyone's fucking on his side with it too. Yep. By the way. Yep, it's great. <clears throat> uh, people want it on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, Jennifer. I'm trying, Jennifer. <laughs> you, you used her name. That's so good. Uh, it's a good. It's a good scroll. There's a picture of Yoda that says "Do or do not." There is no trying, <laughs> Jennifer. <laughs> yeah, I see. Uh, I see a lot of custom logos and emblems, and yeah, yeah. There's a lot of "I'm trying, Jennifer" stuff in this. <laughs> Someone just has the tweet itself on a shirt. Just a picture of the tweet. Yep. It's pretty good. So, yeah, you've been posting the hits almost like you expect Twitter to just disappear at any point. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know why I would expect that. Everything seems to be going pretty well, I think. But I'll uh, I'll think about it. I'll think about it some more. Maybe I can come up with some more classic (laughs) tweets. Uh, All right. Now the fun part. Mailbag's closed. Game time started. Oh, Okay. All right, here's how we do this. We're going to talk about the three Star Trek episodes from week 140, but we're going to talk about them in reverse order mm. to the order that the series finished in last week. So last we're going to start with Voyager. <laughs> Love it. We never came up with a better way to describe it. But at, on the last episode, we still won't have a good way to describe it. Nope. 
a little bit weird, though, to describe it on the last episode when there's only TNG. But. Just for next time, as you guys know, this is how we do it. Yeah. We'll have to think about what to do next time, because TNG will be both the winner and loser. But anyway, we're going to start with Voyager this week, and we are discussing the episode Muse. Some monks or something are reciting Belana Torres's officer's log in front of an audience. Oh, it's a play. It's a theater play. And they fucking dramatize the events of her log. And when it's over, the audience cheers. And a dude, probably one who thinks he's hella important, asks a bunch of questions about what happens afterward in the story. I guess he's the one commissioning these shitty plays. Because he pays the main guy, main actor, writer, I don't know, <clears throat> pays him afterwards. Kellis, the poet? Yes. Featured on Dracula's Wedding? <laughs> there were many times when I was rereading my notes where I pronounced it Kellis for sure. Yes. Uh, so the guy, uh, he goes off to find some more cool logs in Bolana's down Delta Flyer, which looks rough. Man. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up, but I bet the Delta Flyer will be working next week. That is crazy, because uh, the trees are coming into it and shit. Anyway, uh, I guess he unexpectedly finds her there, and she hits him. Uh, but he introduces himself to her as, as you said, Khalees the Poet. <laughs> Your servant, he says to her. Credits. Oh, okay, so he actually is holding her captive there, so he didn't... I guess he just didn't think she'd be awake when he got back. I want to say that the early part of this episode really counts on you having seen that the episode is called Muse. Yeah. Like, yep. if you haven't seen that, it's a lot more sinister than yeah. if you have seen it pop in like that. He is uh, holding, he's got our hands tied together and shit. And he says uh, he's going to keep her there for a million years or whatever. Or else, like all inspiration, she'll fly away, man. Mm-hmm. He also says he's healing her by cutting on her arms and shit. Was this before or after Shakespeare in Love? Um, this must have been 2000? So I'm guessing after? Okay. I'm guessing after. <clears throat> anyway, he's cutting on her arms and shit to release the heat of her fucking fever. And uh, it's gonna make her fever deflate or something. She convinces him to bring her a med kit. He tells her she's an Eternal. And that her clan is Voyager. Shining Voyager far from home, where the Borg and Vaudois roam. You know the song. <laughs> I do know the song. He, uh... It didn't do well on the Led Zeppelin bracket. <laughs> <laughs> it does actually kind of sound like... Sound like something Zeppelin would come up with. Um... He plays her logs to explain how he got such hella good insight. Um, this guy's heard Chaco's soothing voice and everything. He's like the luckiest man on his world. Anyway, he seems shocked by everything, but he knows Elkar's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, he says he can't release her until she gives him another play. But uh, Balana convinces him to free her anyway, and then she vaporizes a tree to scare the shit out of him. But she can't get the ship up and running. She's got no power. 
this uh, slightly less goofy Andy Samberg looking dude comes back to feed her. And uh, he asks her to tell him about Earth. And she doesn't say, it looks just like this, dummy. Like, <laughs> no. It looks exactly <laughs> like this. She doesn't. She doesn't say, also, uh, this is all, I even I, who am, I'm not really from Earth, but even I know this is ancient, this is ancient Greek theater that you're doing. Yeah. So what's going on with that? Yeah, did as you guys. I've gone back in time. Are you more of those guys that hung out with Plato for a minute and then made your whole society all about that? Um, but she also answers some of his questions without thinking, like a cartoon or maybe like she has CTE or something. Uh, but then she clams up when he asks about TP, and I get it. <laughs> I wouldn't want to talk about him either. When Marjan asks me about TP twice a week, I always just say I'm busy and walk away. Uh, this guy tells Bellana how bad, uh, serfdom or, uh, patronage. I don't know. Whatever system he's complaining about, he explains how bad it is. But she needs dilithium, and this guy knows where to get some. What was it called again? Oh, Winter's Tears. Winter's Tears. Why not? Everybody knows where to get Winter's Tears. Um, <clears throat> there's Listen, there's a fucking deposit of Winter's Tears on his patron's hunting grounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not allowed to go there, but she says, too bad, go get it. Anyway, um, she's going to repay him with a new idea for a play, The Rescue of Belana Torres. Back on V'ger, TP is mad they aren't going out looking for Belana. Those spatial eddies, or whatever Chaco said, are too dangerous, so they got a search from V'ger. That's tough balls. I'm not sure TP's really in the episode after that. Um, uh, He has to wake up Tuvok when he's snoring on the bridge later. There you go. <laughs> when, when the B-plot suddenly becomes about Tuvok. The guy hates his new play, just hates it, and he comes back to complain to Balana about it just as she gets some power restored, but when she tries to bring the subspace transmitter online, it gets all bright and sparky in there. This dude isn't even scared of that. He nope. just wants to talk about Tuvok. Listen, he already saw her vaporize a tree, man. Yeah, these sparks are nothing to him. He already he already saw the, uh, the little uh, thing that when you turn it over, it goes, but at this time it healed all the scars on her arm. That's right. You know, that little can? Yep. Yeah, the uh, little ranger uh, pole arm. Thing. Yes. Uh, she didn't take, get him to look down one end of it and shake it twice to turn it on, though. <laughs> this guy confirms they can make bronze. And he can find gold. So I guess he can help her <clears throat> make things for her ship. This is dumb. Um, yeah. Back on V'ger. Also, she forgets, she forgets what's in bronze because she asks him to make get a piece of metal that's uh, six parts bronze and four parts tin, something like that. <laughs> yep. Tins and bronze. That's fine. Uh, back on V'ger, Tuvok is so tired from searching for Balana. His best Hasn't friend. slept in ten days. His best friend. Balana? Uh, to be fair, he might be looking for Harry Kim. Okay, well, I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um... <laughs> Because at this point, when I was writing the notes, I didn't realize Harry Kim was missing. Um, uh, it's You have to pay attention to the play, but the <laughs> start of the episode is so fucking disorienting when you're like, why are these three monks in a weird amphitheater uh-huh. reciting a log entry that you have to, you kind of then miss the part where she orders Harry Kim to get into an escape pod. Yeah. 
Uh, and also when he, you know, if he, maybe he just made it back from that escape pod. I'm just saying, I was not yeah. picking oh, up on the Harry. that's a possibility too, for sure. But then you'd think it'd be easier to find her, probably. Yeah, I was just not picking up on the Harry Kim beats at this point. Uh, anyway, I didn't understand his motivation. Neelix tries to get him to take a nap. That's what's happening. Um, Kellis is mad at his actors again, man. And then some guy comes in and yells about how this dude's benefactor, who has no name, ever, is going to war again against the neighboring state. She has a name. It's Randy Ictor. <laughs> Did you look him up because he's that guy? No, he just looks like Andy Richter, but worse. Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> anyway, the neighboring state. That's who they're fighting. You know, that's how people talk. Um, yeah, by the way, state, this guy does not. There's no states. No. We're not at state level here in the Bronze Age. No. Nope. It could be the, a guy from a neighboring city. Yeah. Anyway, they don't get more specific than that. Sci-fi, man. Uh, anyway, uh, the Kellis is like, it's okay, man. We're actors. We can stop this war. And then yeah. I figured out what the episode was about, and I barfed out of my butthole. <laughs> Kellis comes to see Balana and says, I'm a hack, a real TV writer of a person. Tell me a story that will stop war, please. But then his solution is just to bring her to his actors so they can all... Uh, workshop it? You know? Uh, they gotta workshop this shit. Um, and uh, nobody seems that weirded out by her head. No. So maybe they think people from across the sea have different heads. Maybe they do, man. I don't know this I mean, planet. These, these guys have got a little bit of forehead stuff, uh-huh. and hers is different, so maybe it is like, ah, your forehead stuff's a little different over there. Yeah, no one's worried about it, though. Um, anyway, she just hangs out and talks shop, and then an old man, a veteran TV writer, walks in and goes, Writers these days rely on tricks and twists and excitement. They've forgotten real writing, like the one where Lazarus wrestled himself through time, space, and all dimensions for eternity. Back when I wrote 55 episodes of Gunsmoke a year. (laughs) That rang true. told the truth. To the viewer, they understood Lazarus. Some uh, romance gets written into the play between uh, Chaco and Janeway. So then we get to see a Chaco Janeway scene back on Voyager. Like earlier when we saw the Tuvok stuff. It was followed by yeah. other Tuvok stuff. You get it. Uh, Mao would be yeah, very no, impressed. It's, it's student play level <laughs> c- connections. They're very worried that we'll miss it. Here's where I say, oh, I should say Harry's missing too. It's not like crucial to this episode. That's how fundamental Harry Kim's character is. But he's gone, man. No one knows where he is. Listen, everybody on the ship knows he's not the real Harry Kim. <laughs> That's true. They don't care about this guy. Everybody on the ship knows Harry, Harry Kim's Kim dead. Too. This guy is like two seconds temporally displaced Harry Kim. So. Him and the Wildman baby are just, they almost like don't count. They aren't yeah. like real people. They're like not even supposed to be there. Yeah. Um, Kellis eventually hits on the idea of Janeway making peace with the Borg Queen instead of killing her. And that'll like make everyone realize they can do better than war, man. You can make an alliance with the worst of the worst for momentary gain. It's brilliant. Uh, was this just also we could like relitigate how bad that episode was? Scorpion or whatever that was called? I mean, I'm going to be honest when it's one of my main criticisms of this show is that this show takes a lot of shots at earlier Voyager episodes and <laughs> it's unearned. Why don't you just write a better one now? I mean, yeah. That would be a good way to 
That would be a good start, at least. Um, okay, so this guy, Kellis, he's got, like, uh, a little girlfriend. A little mousy girlfriend. And she follows Balana back to the flyer in, like, some kind of jealous mood. Threatening to expose her to the Autark. Is that the benefactor? I, I guess so. I don't know, man. Uh, anyway, Harry Kim just comes out of the fucking bushes like Shoeless Joe out of the cornfield and helps Bolana <laughs> get the transmitter running again. Baffling. He says he walked 200 kilometers <laughs> to find her. That's a thing. That's a All thing Harry Kim could because do. Because he knows about the Prime Directive. That's a thing Harry Kim could do for sure. Just think about it. He could. Oh, just, and by the way, she's up in the mountains, so I think we should assume that was not nice no. terrain for Harry no. Kim. No, I, those Starfleet boots are definitely going to hold up to you know the ones that are meant for uh, living in a very a very comfortable lifestyle on a carpeted starship. <laughs> definitely in good shape after he walked 120 miles through the mountains. I mean, it is really just unnecessary that he even be in this episode at all. Um, the next day, before the big performance of the war-stopping play, Kellis he just can't figure out the last scene, and that's how plays work, is you just write everything to the last scene, and you go, I don't know what to do, and oh, then it's the day of the play. you definitely write the play in order, you write, sure. you write it in order, and even if you don't know how it's going to end, and it's the, day of the, it's the day of the play. And you don't, like, make an outline in order and then go back and fill it in. You write the dialogue in order. That's right. That's organic. And you start teaching the uh, actors the dialogue before you know what how the play is going to end. Yeah, they learn all of it. And then they just wait around for you to tell them how it's going to end. Um, extreme D-plot. Tuvok finally pushed himself too far. <laughs> and remembering what that little possum Neelix said, asks to be relieved of duty. But just then, they get Bolana's distress call. It's not important that that happens then. It's just when it happens. Uh, scenes of the rescue and the fucking play alternate here. Uh, Kellis' assistant comes to deliver a message to Bolana. I guess it says, I'm fucked. Uh, she's all worked up that the guy hasn't thought of a good ending yet, so she decides to help him in her own way. In- hey, what if the Universal Translator behaved logically, and when she got that piece of paper from the guy and he left, she looked at it and said, I can't read that. <laughs> this isn't anything. What is this, English? <laughs> Did he write it in English? I can't read this. <laughs> if, he'd, if he'd said it to me. She should have looked at him and said, I understand. And then when he left, Harry goes, what does it say? She goes, I don't fucking know. I don't know, man. Look at this. It's a bunch of scribbles. Yeah, it's, it's, it looks alien to me. The Universal Translator's not in my eyes. She fucking transports over to the fucking amphitheater, man. Yeah, and did you believe that the transporter <clears throat> was still functional on board the Delta Flyer? Because I found that surprising. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, well you, I, you would have expected her earlier to say, the transporter works, but that's not going to help me. I don't have any power. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, but then weird. someone could say, I don't know. Do you have any? Harry Kim's DNA is probably in here. You want to just make him? Just make another just one. Make Harry, already Kim, on Harry Kim too anyway. It doesn't matter. Just make another one. You can't make the transporter replicate whatever you need somehow? Yeah. Yeah, no one says that. Not even Kellis, who seems to know. Well, he knows the L pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the pivotal Janeway and Borg Queen scene is playing out, and, uh, Bolana fucking busts onto the stage to fight Ultros, and everybody gets so confused. And the old veteran writer steps up to help narrate, and the, the little girlfriend tries to get her arrested, but this benefactor thinks this is all just storycraft. This is just good, the good stuff. 
Yeah, uh, he's seeing some new shit here. So Bolana says her goodbye to Kellis the poet in front of everyone. A heartfelt goodbye for some reason. The guy who kid the guy who helped her held her captive and tried to blackmail her for stories. Uh, Balana ascends to the heavens with the magic lights, and Kellis gives his little outro about peace and shit, and the episode finally ends a hair over three weeks after it started. I swear to God, I've been watching this since November. It's a tough one, huh? Cue my boy Chaco. Are you interpreting all the symbols? <clears throat> Searching your subconscious for their meaning? Well, I see, last time you shouted, I told you not to ask me that, so... <laughs> So you weren't going to do it this time. I wasn't going to play it this time. <laughs> well, this time I know what it's about, though. <clears throat> yeah, here. Uh, what we TV writers are doing <laughs> is serious and important. And as long as meddling producers don't butt in, we're going to light the way to the future. <laughs> the Voyager writers think this. Yes. About Voyager. The great writers of Voyager who don't even like Voyager. What should I do about this? Yep. <laughs> Well, become a TV writer, obviously. Aside from devote another 800 hours to talking about it. You should become a TV writer and aspire to be as great as them. And in really change the, the world. Only, in some ways, it's the only meaningful work there is. So, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Um, listen. On the scale of TV writers think they're important. Mm. Uh, this one is less creepy than the one where an old lady steals all of uh, Jake's brain sperms. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, that's not what the book's about, but. No, yeah. it's not about that, but I gave it, um, I, I gave it a three. Hey, what? there's a take. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I had, Again, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. <clears throat> I had writers and actors. These are the real heroes. Oh, yeah. And then I said negative one million points. By the way, what war do they think they're going to stop? Like, this has no real world analog. This is pre 9-11. Sure. What's, yeah, I know. Cold War was, <laughs> what's it about? over. If people just, just keep watching Voyager. If goddamn Rick Berman. If they could get the Voyager in the Balkans. Everything would be yes. just fine. That's where they need it. <laughs> send, instead of UN peacekeeping troops. <laughs> send a bunch of VHSs of this. Yeah. <laughs> theaters. If they could get this in Iraq, everyone would be fucking just fine. Yep. <clears throat> oh, anyway, um, I gave it a one. Yeah, fine. I said, look, there's definitely power in a story over a performance, but not most of them, and definitely not most Star Treks. It's <laughs> cool pat on the back for yourselves, though, guys. Great job, Brain, and uh, which isn't even a real name. So they're, they're, they're defending themselves from a criticism nobody is leveling. <laughs> it's like Brandon Braga's got a brother, and he's a heart surgeon. Dran and every time he goes, Drannon every Braga. time. Drennan Braga, and every time he goes home for Thanksgiving, he's got to hear about his fucking heart surgeon brother <laughs> and how he's saving lives. It sounds plausible. And they say, oh, how's your little, um, you know, the show with the monsters? How's that going? <laughs> they were dinosaurs, mom. 
If you ever watched it, you'd understand. They were I real dinosaurs the, uh, from Earth. I turned on your show the other week, and it was all in black and white. And uh-huh. um, somebody, the president of Earth, is that a character in your show? You don't get it. You don't understand that what we were saying about science fiction. Mom. I assume this is a problem he has with his mom. Yeah, his mom probably. Loves, his mom loves Drannon more. <laughs> Your husband saved a, a man's life on an airplane. <laughs> they said, just like in the movies, they said, is there a doctor on this plane? And there was. And you should say, you should say thank you to your brother for that. I'm not going to thank Drannon. Um, he didn't save my life, mom. Wow, yo, this episode says so many things about, you know, the industry that it's actually kind of hard to keep track of what we're supposed to be thinking here. But to summarize, a good play can inspire peace and tranquility. These writers today are all about Flash and don't trust the truth of their stories. Everyone's a critic, but also telling stories is hard and Janeway was right to work with the Borg Queen a few seasons ago, so don't bring it up anymore. And finally, Tuvok needs to learn about self-care. <laughs> what a mess. Yeah, that one doesn't seem so connected to the others. <laughs> what a mess this episode is. We get more Tuvok than TP, and in a vacuum, that is great. But it makes no sense in this episode. <laughs> TP's best friend and girlfriend are missing. He's in the one scene where he's mad no one will look for him, and he's not really in the episode anymore. <laughs> That's Instead, right we get Tuvok is very tired. Yep. <clears throat> I laughed and laughed and laughed at the absurdity of these writers making an episode about how hard it is to write for shitty TV shows. Three points for entertaining me. Uh, I am the RuPaul of this podcast. <laughs> uh, believe it or not, I gave it three, too. Okay. Um, <clears throat> honestly, this one's only medium bad. Okay. Here's the main thing I have to say. Lower Decks can have an episode where they say, he knows Janeway straight up murdered Tuvix, right? <laughs> That's because right. Because they didn't write Tuvix. Yeah. They didn't write any of when, them. When Voyager writers are like, why did you have Harry Kim kiss the Delaney sisters? Who were they criticizing? Mm-hmm. Some um, unwise patron, like these chodes wouldn't write five consecutive horror movie episodes without executive meddling. <laughs> <laughs> Does seem like their favorite genre of Voyager episode. Um, then this uh, the F plot in this episode with the lead actress who is uh, maybe supposed to, we're supposed to think she slept her way to the top, could be. But her threats are uh, are all against Bellana, and they're very personal, and it makes no sense in the broader arc of the story, like. The actual threat at the end when she comes in and starts screaming about how Milana's an eternal is really that the play is going to get disrupted and they're not going to yeah. achieve peace. It's, she, it has nothing. Bellana's not in danger at any no, point. First of all, Bellana could kick away. that woman's ass. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> yes. She could be beamed away. She's. I hope she's got that phaser. <clears throat> I'm going to be honest. If she left that phaser at the Delta Flyer yeah, and smart. she beamed up and then... Um, run the guy's runner goes back and he just grabs the phaser and walks away. We're just never gonna know that that happened. No, I mean I kind of assume they left a lot of technology on that planet. 
I mean, unless the, they the, just fucking beamed the whole thing into the shuttle bay, right? The like, Delta Flyer was so busted, shit must have been spread out all over oh, that fucking place. Oh yeah, there's a big trail of weird <laughs> debris. Yeah. Um. Anyway, this episode gets up its own ass early, and it never finds its way out. And on this show, that's only medium bad. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I didn't like. I didn't threaten to quit the project. In fact, I told you I was delighted. So. Yeah. That's that's pretty good. There's not a lot of world building this week. No. Um, I guess Voyager needs dilithium again. Hey, that is what they were doing. They were on yet another search for minerals. Or maybe the scan was like, uh, on this planet, dilithium just pops out of the ground, like in the middle of the woods and stuff. Yeah, and maybe it would be just, dumb of it, us not to come get some. Yeah, it's just so easy to get that even though we don't yeah. technically need it right now, we should probably just grab some. We don't need it, but we could put a kiloton or two in one of the cargo bays. I they think, didn't. Uh, didn't we Did we get rid of one of those kids or is that kid back? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't remember, remember now. Um, anyway, the baby's gone. We could just fill his cradle with a bunch of dilithium. <laughs> we might need it later. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, they, it's too bad they didn't know about those spatial eddies or whatever. Spatial eddies is the maybe the big thing this week, but we don't know anything more about it. Yeah, it wrecked nothing. up the Delta Flyer real good. Yeah. It doesn't sound good. Space itself is not supposed to move. No. That feels wrong. No, you don't want that. Uh, Vulcans can go without sleep for two weeks, sort of. Yeah, I mean, doesn't seem to work as good as Tuvok thinks it does. Yeah, he didn't seem like he was doing much better than one of us would be doing, really. No, having some problems. Well, I mean, you've you basically don't sleep for two weeks at a time. So I have had some uh, some stretches earlier in my life where I went as much as a week without really sleeping, and uh, well, it wasn't good. Um, there was some Andre Agassi shit that was happening to me. But I wasn't on also, the crystal meth. T- to be fair, you could fall asleep on the sitting in a chair on the night shift with nothing happening, with uh, way less sleep deprived than two weeks. The fact that this happened to two oh, o'clock yeah. is not that big a deal. Yeah. Well, but it's a big enough deal to make it the other plot in this episode. Yeah. Anyway, it's just a one for me for world building. Uh, let's see. D fly took a bad hit this week. I know they already built one from scratch, but man, that looks like a long repair cycle. Oh yeah, they should be in those little um, slipper shuttles. You know the ones where it looks like you can put your foot right in the back of them. <laughs> yep. Oh, I know. For the next several weeks. Uh, this planet of fucking one-off aliens and their whole culture. Uh, the planet has dilithium too. Whatever kind of eddies they were. And I said, uh oh, sounds like a zero. So I gave it zero. <laughs> it's really very little. Um, but characterization, huh? Hmm. <clears throat> doesn't want to talk about TP. Same. She uh does give a lot of info she's not supposed to, and then she um does do a transport in front of these people because she's sentimental about the arts, so I guess I guess we learned something about her. Uh, TP is briefly mad that nobody's out looking for his girlfriend and best friend, but then he's not in the episode anymore. Tuvok is pushing himself too hard, but Neelix is there to give advice. Is Tuvok supposed to be Brandon Braga as well in this one? I couldn't figure it out. So not a lot of character work either. I gave it a two. And it is a two for me. Um, 
this is an episode where shit just sort of happens to people. Uh-huh. Like, the various crew members are busted up about Kim and Torres being missing to various degrees, even grumpy old Tuvok. But yeah. uh, it's not a meaty character piece. No. This, this is like the eighth or ninth, only the eighth or ninth most distressing thing that's happened to Bellana Torres in her time on oh my Voyager. God. This, this was a fucking cakewalk. This is nothing for her. Yeah, she was briefly tied up. That's fucking She's nothing. Like, he tied me up and he cut me with a knife a bunch of times, but, um, but did think there was, was no helping. sexual menace, weirdly. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, you would have expected it, but no, nothing. On this show? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, yeah, so just a two. Quick ones. Yeah. Uh, right at the top I said, hey, this is an 80 out of 80 episode if the entire thing is a Greek play and we never see the caster ship. <laughs> well, I wonder if they could pull it off. I'd like I to mean, see think of how cheap it would be. That's true. Yeah. They just need to go to any amphitheater. But you know they gotta Little League these fuckers into this fucking episode. They do. <clears throat> you said he looked like Andy Samberg. I was a little more charitable, and I asked, was Paul Rudd already too expensive for Voyager in 2000? <laughs> yep. Well, he was in Clueless, you know, so. That's true. I think we're supposed to roll our eyes at this guy bleeding her to get the heat out of her veins, but uh, she was so out of it with a fever for eight days that <laughs> when that we get to see the moment where she meets him somehow. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, didn't hurt her, I guess she got better. Yeah. She didn't seem too put out by it. Honestly. No. <clears throat> well, she's, she knew about the, uh, the canister. Yeah. <sighs> this dude who lived in these parts all his life and as part of this society, didn't know it was going to rain. Like mm. it wasn't overcast and threatening to rain the whole time he walked up to the Delta Flyer. That fucking thunderstorm just surprised him out of nowhere and he thought, oh, it's God magic. <laughs> I guess Your so. thunder, this lightning strike is God magic. Yeah, she said something in the fucking, you hear the thunder or whatever, and he's like, oh my God. Your fucking powers. But, you know. Like the whole the whole time he was walking up there, he's he wasn't going like... <sighs> I didn't even, I'm just wearing sandals and I didn't even wrap my feet. I'm going to be so muddy when I get home. <laughs> um, hey, writers, if none of the Voyager characters make any sense, you can't just say that in the episode. They're your responsibility. <laughs> Fix I don't know, them. I don't know what you're talking about. That's good writing. When you say to the viewers uh, at home, isn't this bad? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> At one point in this episode, Bolana watches the romance scene between Jane and Chicote and then looks over and opens her mouth wide. And then two or three scenes later, she's like, you can't just put all these romances in. And that's not one she mentions. <laughs> so I assume what happened is that after she saw that first scene and we cut away, she said to him, yeah, it's kind of like that, but How much dumber. Know? How did you know? <laughs> yeah, how did you know? That's not From the my logs. one log, you were able to pick up that that happened? <laughs> yeah. And then I've already mentioned it, but how does the Universal Translator work with reading? <laughs> it's a question that comes up almost every episode, if you think about it. Yeah, I'm starting irritating. to think we shouldn't talk about that anymore, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We talk a lot Alana about reading read on this, this show. Note. 
Because it doesn't make any sense how Jordy's able to read everything, and we're just like, how he, but how does he do it? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> what does it look like to him? <laughs> we should um, have. We should stop talking about it. Probably. It's only you know. It's, it's just, really only bugging us. So everyone can. Does uh, we get there's some loving shots of Cardassian consoles in the DS9 episode that we watched that I just keep thinking, how do they work with those fucking consoles, man? <laughs> Everybody on DS9 have to learn like a little bit of Cardassian, but all they know is computer words. Yeah, and they don't probably. know any of the syntax. Yeah, I don't think they're uh, conversational. Hey, how'd you like the new play? I mean, it had one amazing special effect, but it kind of derailed everything Kellis was trying to say about the futility of war. Like that didn't <laughs> seem like it was part of it at all. He like but, tried I to mean, bring it together again at the end, but I was I didn't really buy it. I don't fucking know. I mean. It was pretty wild. You got to see it. You got to go see it next week. It was wild. And then you go see it next week and there's no cool special effect. And what a fucking bummer that is. Uh, I saw it and you told me there was going to be a great special effect. And I was looking for it the whole time and I didn't see shit. Uh, The Klingon ambassador from Star Trek 4 as Uh, chorus number two in this episode. Yeah, I have in here. Yo, I just saw one of the actors, and he's a definite that guy, and he got like two lines maybe in this piece of dog crap. I feel so deeply for this guy. He's the Klingon ambassador from Star Trek Four, for Christ's sake. Also, Parn. Yeah, Parn. He's uh, been in Babylon 5. I mean, a lot of things. He's, uh, he's a that guy, for sure. Yeah. Who should the patron be, though? How about almost Andy Richter? <laughs> Yeah, now that you say it, I do I do see it. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, you just, I lost you for quite a long time there, but that's fine. Ah, I was just saying I do see it now. I see the Andy Richter yeah. resemblance. Uh, that guy turned out to be a pedophile, though, so don't... Andy Richter? Don't worry about that guy. No, the, this guy. No, okay. The guy I wasn't worried about the patron. Uh, I he, he did not strike me as a that guy. I didn't remember him from anything. Yeah. Uh, for best actor, there I really there I really like the moment when Tuvok called Chakotay to be relieved, and Chakotay puts like a half second hesitation in there before he says, "Understood, I'm on my way." <laughs> <laughs> he was doing something else for sure. He was on uh, Holodeck Four or whatever wherever Riker goes. And uh, the uh, patron definitely uh, had him as the worst. Oh, there's other choices possible, but like. That guy's basic job is to stand up and try to put into his face the size that he does not have in his physical life. <laughs> That's tough. That's a tough description of a person. I I don't know how else to describe it, but like... You really reduced that guy, for sure. He was not menacing in any way. No, no, no. No, I mean, if you're comparing him to Andy Richter, I would say there's not a lot of menace there. No, it's not the first thing I think of, for sure. <coughs> Do you have some quick ones? Um, yeah, I mean, this guy can't figure out why his play isn't good and why it won't stop a war. And Bolanda says, well, you'll have to do a lot better than Harry Kim kissing the Delaney sisters. And the guy incredulously shouts, why? And I paused <laughs> and laughed for a while. And I said, good for you, Voyager. That was fun. Because <laughs> that is exactly how I imagined a Voyager writer reacting if somebody <laughs> ever were to say to them, well, you can't just write... Uh, Harry Kim kissing the Delaney sisters, and the guy just shouts right back at him, why, angrily? And then, yeah, I had the note about the Klingon ambassador, and that's it. All right, well. (laughs) It's 15 points. It's not good. Not 
It's not good. But last week they had eight. So. Yeah, no, it's almost, they almost doubled last week. So, you know, much, if much they keep better. that going, they could get like a 29 next week. <laughs> they won't because it's a Kess episode, but they might. <laughs> yeah. God, is that what's next? Oh, you're right. Oh, jeez. Uh-huh. Oh, God. Thank Paramount for spoiling that for me. I did not know she came back. Oh, I think I I think I tried to tell you she, she'll come back one time. I think I tried to tell you she'll come back one time like Gary. And that'll okay. be it was wild that he only came back one time. Oh no, it was heartbreaking actually. And then he lost. He changed his cell phone number, and no one knew how to reach him. <laughs> yeah, he got married in secret. Anyway, it was all very good. Um, what else did we watch? Uh second place last week was Deep Space Nine. This week we watched Inquisition. <laughs> Bashir is doing last-minute prep for his big medical conference on Casperia Prime when uh, Odo Little leagues it and uh, O'Brien comes in with a busted shoulder, as always. Kayaking, you know? Yep. He's got really... Honestly, he's wearing a very cool outfit. Oh, yeah. It looks great on his body, I noticed. Um, Bashir pops that shit back into place and heads home for the night. He wakes up in the morning... Hella sleepy. It's like schisms. He's so sleepy. And he gets <laughs> called to ops by Cisco with all the other senior officers. Because internal affairs is here, everybody. Police drama style. Because there's been a security breach. And uh, somebody's passing info to the Dominion. And Deputy Director Sloan confines everybody to quarters. So Bashir ain't going nowhere. Credits. <clears throat> Bashir can't get anything out of his replicator, and he gets called in for questioning by Sloan, who brings up Bashir's long Dominion prison camp stay, and talks about Bashir's work with the the mutants. You remember them. But, um, it's a short, cordial chat. And then Sloan tells him his replicator is offline on purpose to prevent anybody 3D printing a dang old gun or whatever. I uh, felt like he didn't want to say to Bashir, we don't want anyone to hang themselves, so. <laughs> That's right. No replicator. Yeah, if the spy's corner, that might be it. Uh, he asks for uh, for breakfast, but fucking Worf's worms are delivered to him instead. I don't know why this matters. Then he notices somebody was in his room uh, fucking around while he was with Sloan, but, like, they did the sloppiest imaginable job, just leaving shit knocked over and not in the right place. Uh, then O'Brien calls. <clears throat> And says he was grilled for two damn hours about Bashir and Bashir only. Uh, Sloan calls him back again. He asks for uh, a little bit more info about his stay at the prison camp. And Bashir starts to get a bit sarcastic. Sloan's poking around for inconsistencies, but Bashir sticks to his guns. Sloan proposes Bashir might be a Dominion spy without even knowing it himself. I guess because he was put in solitary for a while on the prison camp asteroid. It seems like a bunch of nothing. But Sloan locks Bashir up. Uh, Odo's been replaced for the time being by uh, some yellow shirts. And uh, the guards talk some shit to Bashir, but then Sisko comes in and swings it around a bit. 
And then we're back into the interrogation, and they talk about the time Bashir tried to save those uh, drug-addicted Jem'Hadar, and his time with the mutants, and how he tried to tell Starfleet they had to surrender to the Dominion, etc., etc., etc. They fucking have got him on that <clears throat> one, but it seems like that's not the big thing, somehow. No. Cisco expresses some doubt about Bashir. Then Sloane comes in to take Bashir away for further questioning at Starbase whatever. But then this shit jumps the shark in a big way, and Wayun beams Bashir out and says uh, he's among friends. Th- this is the Romulan prison portion of Future Impossible. After the, uh, <laughs> yes. a- after the Ambassador Tomaluk thing doesn't go so well. Um, Wayun tries to convince Bashir he's a Dominion spy, but Bashir refuses to believe it. Then the ship's attacked and boarded by the heroic Defiant crew. But on the Defiant bridge, after they get Bashir back, the crew grills him. But O'Brien can't do math fast enough, and Riker is pissed, and he (laughs) grapplers everybody all the way to Hades. Then Sloane ends the hollow program, and he's dressed like a future leather daddy. And he asks Bashir. It's very terrible, this outfit. (laughs) Yes. I'm sure I said it was very terrible in Enterprise because it's almost exactly the same. (laughs) Yep. But it. This is where it was originated, and it is god-awful. It's so bad. He asks Bashir to remove the neurosynaptic relay from behind his ear so they can review his fucking brain data or whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, Sloan clears him, says he's a loyal officer, and then he says, Hi, I'm with the super-secret intelligence operation called Section 31. Let me tell you all about it. Full download. Bashir decides to waste his mouth, saying he thinks Section 31 is a bad idea. (laughs) Then Sloane says he could use his help. Uh, Bashir would make a great agent. But Bashir finds the idea horrifying. Anyway, they knock him out again, and soon Bashir is uh, given the senior staff his big story. Sisko says, Starfleet won't confirm or deny the existence of Section 31. And then he says, no worries, next time dude shows up, just say you want to be one of his lackeys after all, and we'll do some spy shit. And Odo congratulates Bashir on getting to do spy shit, and we get out of the episode. Yep. Yeah, they definitely believe they can outspy these spies. Yep, not, it's not even going to be a thing. Like, it won't even be Profes- hard. Professional spies who have hidden their existence from the rank and file for 200 years, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was this one about? I guess this is the flip side of the usual Star Trek take of the enemy is just the same as us. Because mm-hmm. this one really comes out to, we're actually, though, we're no better than our enemies. Yeah. There was room for something more nuanced. Maybe about how the state isn't capable of having ideals. So as long as there are people in it willing to violate them, there need to be people working to protect them. Mm. Ironically, like in internal affairs, except when internal affairs shows up, it's not real, but when they show up at the start of this episode, as always, they're clearly the villains. Yep. Everyone's like, fuck these guys. Oh, these assholes. Again, just like in every They don't know what it's like out here. (laughs) That's right. It's a dumb cop show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's none of that really has happened. That was just me hoping that there would be something in here, but no. It's just, see, Gene was a rube. This is how it would really be. <laughs> so long, Gene. Enjoy all the fucking dirt, Gene. Fucking no, Ron Moore hate... shouts at his grave. <laughs> yeah. I don't hate the idea that we're not 
we're not really any better than our enemies the, mm-hmm. the, you know that we're doing the things that we demonize uh them about so i am giving it a four but like this is i wanted more i wanted better uh, of course you want it better. It was not a good episode. Uh, I had the ends don't justify the means and gave it a five. The episode wasn't about that so much. But the last two scenes contain the question <laughs> of the means and the ends and how they relate. So right, I guess they want us to think that's what they were going for. Yeah, because by the way, they... We can talk about this, but they did not foreshadow that this was fake. You know, there no. are lots of lots of tricks... Um, that the show can do to let you know, hey, maybe the dog did it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the dog killed that guy. Maybe the dog killed that guy. The dog did a murder. Did that dog go to jail? That that dog got vaporized. What are you talking about? No, 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 no. no. Wait, hold on a second. Okay, we're talking about two different episodes. I was talking about Aquiel. As always, you were talking about the Voyager episode. No, no, no. I'm talking about the episode of Murder, She Wrote, where the dog did the murder. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. Did that dog go to prison, is my question. Did they have to put that dog down? What happened? I'm going to tell you now that I do not remember any plot point from any episode of Murder, She Wrote. (laughs) But we did as many as nine. I don't remember how many there were. We did a bunch of them. I think we might have done 15. Wow. No. Next one's right around the corner, I'm sure. Oh, I bet. I bet it's coming anytime now. Uh, They've stopped listening to this, so it's fine. Yeah. Anyway, like I said, five. Um, If that was the plot of the episode, then that's a five. Uh, I said on execution, it's conspiracy, but not hilarious. It's also future impossible, but not hilarious. Yep. Then it becomes a big moral question about violating the rights of individuals under the guise of protecting the state, I guess. This episode is lacking in a lot of ways. Sloan is well cast as a shitty white douche, but we don't really figure out what his deal is other than wanting to fuck with Bashir to see if that makes him want to work for me. Is that it? Is that all you want? yeah, honestly, it's not clear to me if that was if if that was ever a plan B or if it was that was spur of the moment shit at the end. Did he really he suspect like, oh, Bashir you, of something? You figured out my hologram ruse. I think so. That's fucking crazy. I think he really suspected Bashir of something based on his own uh, prejudice about you know genetically modified people, and okay. also based on the weird inconsistency of character. In the sure. Deep Space Nine writing. It's another episode that looks back on all of the previous episodes and goes, it doesn't make a lot of sense when you think about it. And then you have to go, you wrote it. <laughs> that's right. Well, that's why I said it was conspiracy, but not hilarious. Because it's yeah. it's Remick grilling everyone about the 55 times they already broke the Prime Directive or whatever. In season one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, already in season one, he has a lot to fucking talk about. Um. Uh... So the idea of Section 31 is advanced very late in the episode, and it's given away so freely, this information, that you'd have to be a moron, like all of the senior staff, to put any stock in it whatsoever. Oh, yeah. But I guess we're supposed to be watching but out for them. it's all true. It's all true. We have to watch out for them because now. you know who are morons? <laughs> Other people who wrote about Section 31 after this. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, they, they come back in DS9, like, I don't know, two or three times at least, and... um. 
So I guess they meant it. I guess they meant and this then was in a real Enterprise, thing. and then in Discovery. Uh huh. And but like, it's isn't it crazy that that means they meant for Sloan to just talk about it at the end, to just say, uh-huh. I, "I'm with Section Thirty One. We're a super secret organization." Oh yeah. That's the real organization, and this is the real shit they get up to, and they really wear these leather outfits. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy how this is introduced. Bashir does love to play spy, which I think should be an immediate disqualification for the role of actual real-life spy. Oh, but yeah. Sloan doesn't agree, I guess. Crazy that he cites that, along with his superhuman abilities, as reasoning. Can anybody tell him. Sloan about Garrick? I, it's... Here's what I said. If they ever do this again, Garrick should be there to help Bashir run this guy down. Don't abandon that relationship just when it makes sense to use it, Ron Moore. <laughs> Spoiler alert, they are very dumb and they don't do this very easy common sense thing. It turns out to be a fucking Bashir and O'Brien job. Oh, yeah. Well, he's already done some undercover work himself, you see. It's fucking crazy. Not In Garrick. The episode. Not the actual, not the Master Spy Honor Garrick. Thieves. Yes. But not Master Spy Garrick. Not him. Nope. Who Bashir has a great relationship talking about spy shit with. <clears throat> yep. Uh, yet another none of this shit was real, man. So none of it counts for much. Uh, episodes too. So yeah, just a just a three for me. Not, yeah, not nothing is real after the point where he goes to sleep the first night. Yep. In the in the so. teaser. So yeah. What about you? Uh, I mean, I have it as a three as well, and I'm gonna say this: it's worse than the drumhead in every way. Yep. <laughs> None of the people are real, so nothing they say or do matters. Uh-huh. Nothing like Worf getting carried away with the investigation in that episode. Because that guy gives him hella good compliments. Aha. Uh-huh. No yeah. big speech that puts an end to a witch hunt. No Admiral Thomas Henry getting up and walking out looking yeah. disgusted. Hell yeah. It's just Bashir suffering and no being No space lawyer Riker. <laughs> no space lawyer Riker. Um, no Simon Tarsi's breaking down on the witness yeah. stand. That guy didn't even do a good job acting, but like, ain't in this episode. This episode can't even match that. It's just Bashir suffering and being manipulated, and then at the end, whoops, there's new bad guys, and we are them. <laughs> Why do we need new bad guys? Why do they, they do everything they can to avoid writing about the big space war? I yeah. don't understand it. You tease the space war for years, and you refuse to write any episodes about it. Yeah. Oh, also, the whole thing hinges on Jordy catching the apple with the wrong hand again, by the way. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> yeah, just a three. This is not a not one of the better episodes of Deep Space Nine. No, and it was much harder to watch than the Voyager episode, and that's never a good sign. Uh, world building. Well, Section 31. Uh, I'm not happy about it, but they're... It's, again, we've seen them multiple times already yep, in this project. This was the first time they were ever mentioned in the sh- in the canon, but we have already seen them in this show. So clearly, it had an impact. But I also, uh, I also like. Again, it's all fake, but you assume it's based on something real. I also like the introduction of internal affairs, and that mm-hmm. guy's got his weird rank pins, sure, with the underline. Yeah, he's special. Yeah. And he at the end he says, "Yeah, they're a competent department, but uh, we work for someone else." Yeah. So you know, it's now it's by the way fully wild that these guys exist and we never saw them following up on Picard or anything. I guess he's too connected. That's right. They knew they couldn't even touch that fucking guy. 
maybe they reformed the division more formally after the drumhead. And they're like, all right, no more admirals with wild hairs. From now on, we're doing it. Let's write up some actual policies and procedures. <laughs> maybe. Maybe they got Picard in a room one time and he just said, let me just stop you for a second. And then he went, Aaron. And he just fucking walked out. And they went, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> this fucking guy again. We can never get him. He's so fucking slippery. Uh, anyway, they definitely want us to think this guy's going to show up again. And Bashir's gonna have to go undercover. They and said it. A whole new, whole new bad guys. So I'm giving it a three for world building. I don't love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, second mention of Casperia as a resort world. <clears throat> the first one was in that uh, Dax gets hurt in the jungle episode. <clears throat> Internal affairs is a thing. Continuity with Bashir's various misadventures. Section 31 is a thing. And this is where I always go. There was things in here and the things mattered and they were in the episode and they're going to be in other episodes, but I did detest them. So I gave it a two. I mean, that feels fair. <laughs> what about characterization? I said, oh man, is everything fake this week? This is a big dumb holodeck thing. Like from the moment Bashir wakes up. Okay. Yeah. Confirmed. Uh, but before that, O'Brien can't stop kayaking. That's real. That happened. Uh, Bashir really tries to convince people he's going to Casperia for work, and nobody buys it. No. Ain't nobody fucking listening to that. I mean, he hears it from a bunch of people who probably don't think medicine is real work anyway. <laughs> like, why do doctors need to have a conference? That's right. Uh, I don't know, you just go, woo, 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 over my arm, it's fine. What do you need to even talk about? Um, he's here. Give me a med kit. I'll do it myself. Look, I'm a doctor now. Everybody, I'm a doctor. I'm going to my big conference on Casperia Prime with the they got the girls with the under boobs there. Um, Bashir's not a traitor. That is that character work. I'm not sure we learned a lot about Bashir today. Actually, (laughs) it's mostly him saying he's not a traitor over and over again. Yep. Uh, I gave it a two. I liked it one better, I guess. Um, Bashir is a Federation believer, huh? I guess so. He's surprised that these guys exist. He thinks they're better than that. He gets everyone riled up at the end about it. Yep. He finds Section 31 repugnant, and he's dumb enough to say it to their face when he's still kidnapped. (laughs) I just don't know why he bothered telling them. Bro, what are they going to do? Go, oh, you're right. Ah, jeez. <laughs> like, why Listen, even bring in, it up? In Star Trek, that's always a possibility. <laughs> that, that, Sloan just goes, I guess, perhaps I have been wrong after all. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Um, well, no one else is in it, except for at the very beginning and then at the end when they're all listening to his story and they all just believe him and they're going to do something about it. And Odo I delivers guess. a line like he... He knows he only has two lines in the episode, and this one, he better really hit this one hard. And he's like, now you'll get to play the role of spy in real life or something. <laughs> it's like, okay, great job. Great job, everybody. Great writing, great acting. Everyone did a great job this week. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I liked it one better than you. I gave it a three. That's going to be a 25 overall, which is... I mean, okay, but last week they only got. It wouldn't 18. have beat Face of the Enemy. So. No, but they only got eighteen last week. So both Voyager and DS Nine have improved. 
Yeah. But you have to go back to week 134 to find a week 25. What a one man. That week was bad. <laughs> the Exocomps episode got 23 and won the week. And yeah. Voyager got a 22, and they must have felt real shitty about that. Well, Not uh, then, that then, week. then of course, there was Who Warns for Morn, and Who Warns for Morn was never going to get above 10 points. Oh, I mean, that's the worst Deep Space Nine episode, right? It's uh, Yeah, I think it is. By, Hard by to score. get less than 10. No, there's got to be one from season one that was worse. Let me see. No, it's who mourns for Ward for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to get few. We found out last time we looked, there aren't that many that are below 10. Yeah. And they're mostly um, Voyager. <laughs> some other thoughts on the episode. Mm. Do, do Odo and O'Brien think that Bashir scheduled this conference or something? Yeah. They're giving it to him like they think having a conference on Kasperia Prime is some kind of moral failing and that he <laughs> is in any way responsible for it. He's just yeah, going to it. That's right. He was probably an invited speaker or something. Like he said, uh-huh. hey, come to this conference. It's great, but you still have to pay $600 for registration. And he was <laughs> like, yeah, all right, I guess so. I mean, sorry, self improvement credits. And then, uh, yeah, like he didn't, it's not his conference. You're right. What the fuck? Yeah. <clears throat> Um, uh, Sloan as the deputy director of internal affairs must have been like people seem to forget that I have the equivalent rank to a line captain I want that underlined <laughs> no I want the rank pins underlined so when they see it it really fucking pops and they go oh I guess he is a captain after all the guy's like a special captain I'm scared of him now I bet he's good in bed that kind of thing big underline I don't remember seeing Bashir's quarters that much. But when they went to decorate it, they must have said, how is Bashir's room decorated again? And then says here, shapes with other shapes cut out of them on the wall, yes, bowl yes, full yes. of miscellaneous orbs on the table. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Correct. Um, He's because... got that teddy bear, right? Is it in a place of prominence? Not really. <laughs> because... Kind of over by where you'd throw your keys. He, uh, you see, he's got a superior intellect. Uh-huh. And the, those That's are why the specific shapes that he enjoys. That's why he likes those shapes, and he keeps paying the artist to make more and more shape paintings, but it's never yeah. the same. <laughs> That's right. He is Tom Haverford. Tom, real Tom Haverford type. Then I said, oh, is this guy just going to point out plot holes in earlier episodes? Because, uh... The second time this week. I mean, did they even bring up that he was actually literally replaced by a changeling? It's like they talk about him being at the prison camp. No, but like they don't talk about shit. They don't. He doesn't say, like... for instance. Hey, the changeling that replaced you did brain surgery on Cisco. <laughs> I just wanted to bring it up. Is that weird to anyone else? Hey, I know. This way, way, I know it wasn't you. As far as we can tell, <laughs> I know it wasn't you. I know you weren't here for this. But he did a brain surgery on San Francisco, and he did a great job. So, yeah. like that guy's a, a real uh, Daniel Day Lewis about it. He actually learned to do brain surgery. Fucking O'Brien pops his head in the room and goes, "See, doctors ain't shit." <laughs> I could do a brain surgery. Uh, this guy they got playing Sloan. Uh, of of him, I wrote just couldn't get Willem Dafoe for this one, huh? <laughs> Man, imagine how big that character would have been. <laughs> They would have had to keep asking, I mean, can you just please bring it back a little bit, Willem? Please. He goes pretty big. 
Imagine Willem in a Willem Dafoe in a fucking interrogation scene with Bashir would have been so unfair to Alexander Siddick. Uh I assume Sloane's holodeck wouldn't have responded to computer freeze program, but Bashir didn't even try. Uh yeah. Um I don't know. I was so confused by the brashness of all of it that and I'm I just start my feelings about it were conflicted. Always try that, except when they're in the holodeck somehow. Yep. <clears throat> Again, it's like first thing, first wake up, eyes open. Where is this room? A computer and program, but yeah, not this. Time. Yeah. I assumed this was going to be stupid, the drumhead, but instead it was just this. I like I like that you thought of the drumhead. I guess because they also rehash a lot of dumb shit in that one. But I kept seeing conspiracy. And then again, Future Imperfect as well. Yeah. Because of the uh, barrage. And speaking of barrage, what's the point of doing the whole thing in the holodeck and risking Bashir figuring it out even earlier when they could probably have done the investigation part for real and just switch to the holodeck during the Wayun segment? I guess that's it. They didn't want to actually disturb the, the station and all of the staff and do the entire investigation in, in real life and fuck with everyone. I guess they just yeah, wanted like, everyone to think he was at a conference and just do it secretly or whatever. But, but then they just let Bashir tell everyone what happened anyway. Yes, it's crazy. So they might they as just, well have just busted up the place. Yeah, I agree. That's why the last part doesn't make any sense when he just tells him all about it. When he just says, hey, take a seat for a second. I got a cool story for you about Section 31. <laughs> and you're like, why is he doing this? Yeah, but that's the only thing I could think of. They really were like, I'm not going to gotta do all the interviews with everyone and we don't even care what their answers are and it's a fucking nonsense we can just we can just grill them on the holodeck it's fine um the section 31 at the end gets compared to the tall shiar and the obsidian order mm. uh and i'm sure the tall shiar does some of this stuff but we just saw last week how they're used as the public face of loyalty and terror in the Republic and how yeah. regular military officers know where they're trained and who their teachers are. Yeah. Like the Obsidian Order may or may not be as public. I don't know if we know that, but everyone on this show knows about them. And I yeah. think this is not a good analogy. These guys no, are this, something the people we've literally just heard of organizations who've yeah. existed for hundreds of years or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit more clandestine. It seems. And possibly less political or frighteningly, maybe not. Yeah. That part they don't know. No, they don't know. Yeah. This guy didn't have a lot to say about that. He is pretty racist against genetically modified people, though. Yep. I bet if Bashir had just asked him, he would have told him. He seemed pretty open. He should have at the end. Yeah. Oh, he would have been one of those proud racists. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. He would have answered proudly. Yeah. Uh, directed by Michael Dorn. He didn't write oh. it, so you know, I didn't. There know wasn't Dorn... anything necessarily wrong with the direction. I didn't think anybody uh, spiked a lens or anything. But <laughs> did Dorn uh, did Dorn do a lot of directing? I don't really remember his name coming up much. He didn't. He did not direct on TNG. This is like his second or third Deep Space Nine that he's directed. Okay, but um, it isn't. It is interesting because it's. It seems like they let anybody direct who wanted to on TNG. So maybe he just didn't care about it at the time. Yeah. Yep. Did he ever direct any Chips you... episodes? That's yeah. what I wanted to know. While you were talking, I had this thought. 
I know none of this is real, but do you think Worf eats worms for breakfast now because he's Klingoning it up around Jadzia? I don't know. See, I had the same thought. I said, is that a tell? Is Bashir <laughs> supposed to think, look at that and go, Worf doesn't eat gach. He eats, like, fucking nasty Oan eggs or whatever. Yeah, like, I know Worf. Normally he eats half a grapefruit and some cottage cheese. This is it. <laughs> now, he's got is... a, now he's eating worms all of a sudden? Yeah, I don't buy it. Although, even in-universe, you could be like, ah, he's he's doing his big Klingon act for Sloan. He's going to order oh, yeah, because he, he has be. to. He can't just say it to the replicator quietly. He That's has to right. order it publicly. <laughs> yeah, so what he wants for breakfast, he has to think of a warrior's breakfast. And uh-huh. even he is so bad at Klingon stuff, the first thing he thinks of is Gok. Yep. It's like if you said, what do you want for breakfast? And the person just said, noodles. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't think of anything else. Just noodles. Just some noodles. It's fine. Just Thank any, you. Just any noodles. Just any yeah. of them. You know, for breakfast. Breakfast. I eat noodles every day. Uh, that's just me. <laughs> Fucking wharf. Uh, <laughs> best actor I've got. Bashir, I suppose. Definitely not. Dylan Wafo. <laughs> yeah, well, it was kind of a... The two-hander this week. And I for, mean, Cisco uh, gets to fake. Cisco gets to bluster a little bit, but yeah, a little bit. But then he's got that weird. I don't know. What if you are secretly and unknown to everyone a sleeper agent? <laughs> and it's like, listen, I didn't even bring this up. That's a dumb plot point because it's not provable in any way, right? Yeah. Uh, if he doesn't even know it himself, then it's like, oh, well, they haven't showed us a bunch of stuff leading up to it, but what if it's just because he hasn't had the trigger word? This is not their fault. Uh, the fucking mind's eye mm. made it canonical that this can happen. Yeah. Also, Babylon 5 did it. Well, yeah, I mean. They stole everything Babylon 5 did for this show specifically, so they were kind of painting themselves into the corner on that one. Like, oh, we got to talk about a sleeper agent. We got to at least talk about it. <clears throat> uh, and for worst actor, I've just got pick your member of the holographic in- internal affairs team, like mm. the guy who lost a, uh, 98 friends or whatever. And then the, yeah, the seventh fleet, the woman who just, she's kind of a B lady. Who's a B sh- let them know what they do to traders or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What do you yeah. got? What do you got for me? Uh, well, most of mine always end up in the description. I just had worst actor candidate. How could you do it, Julian Dax? <laughs> yeah, that wasn't a great line, but, you know. Barely in the she, episode, She wasn't man. warmed up. She, that was her only line in the whole show, so. <laughs> She's barely fucking in it, but she pops up around. Fuck, come on. You get one line. You can't read it okay? Just kind of okay? No? She was okay. already auditioning for Becker. Oh, yeah, no. I bet that shit was locked up, man. She was ready to get that shit announced. She's like, tell everyone I get to act with the great, uh, Sam from Cheers. I bet that's what people said. Probably, yeah. That <clears throat> was before his big run on The Good Place, you know. That's right. Exactly. He was still only known for the one. Uh, Yeah, that's it for me. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, the winner last week was The Next Generation. Can it be to 25? This week we're discussing Tapestry. <laughs> Won't be easy, man. This is there's not a lot to work with in this one. I mean, repeatedly as we've gone through these, well, we've said, well, it'll have a take. Uh, Seth <laughs> so. was a lot where we're sure, and then we watch the episode and go, huh? Oh, not as much as I thought. 
Oh, well, hmm. All right. Dr. Crusher is in in sickbay doing emergency prep. They got casualties coming in hot, and here's the away team back, and Picard is in Worf's arms, and he's got a chest wound. He's a little guy, you know, that pets do, and he looked like a little doll in Michael Dorn's arms. Yeah. It was weird. Um, Riker says the Lenarians attacked them, and Worf says it was with a compressed Terion beam. Don't worry, none of this matters. None no. of this is going to matter. Well, now we're not going to check back in on the Lenarians at the end or anything. No, and also, also based on the spelling from the um, the closed captions, I did wonder if it was supposed to be Tetrion. Probably, and, probably supposed to be Tetrion. And he just, and he just, just beefed it. He just well, beefed just the said Terion beam. So, mm. um, his artificial heart fails. And as he I mean, he was shot in the heart. I mean, that's the kind of thing that's oh, yeah, gonna, yeah, that's going to yeah, fuck yeah. with it. I think. Well, listen. Okay, well, we'll talk about it probably for a million years. <laughs> uh, you haven't been able to describe anything. Sorry, I keep interrupting. As he flatlines, we see an overhead shot of his body. I guess to make us imagine that he's leaving. His soul is leaving his body. Mm. Then Picard's standing in a white void. And he moves towards a robed figure, and of course it's Q. He says, yeah. welcome to the afterlife, Jean-Luc. You're dead. Yeah, he Delancey's it up pretty good there. Yeah. Uh, so then we get Picard's perplexed face to credits. After the credits, Q goes one farther and claims to be God, which makes Picard, King Atheist, laugh out loud. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in order to prove that he's dead, Q produces Picard's father, who comes in hot with a nice lecture about how he should have never gone to the Academy and he's a big disappointment, etc. Yep. Then he plays the voices of all the people Picard has killed through his action or inaction and asks Picard, well, suggests to Picard that maybe he'd like to apologize to them. Jesus, is Vigo on there? Uh, I mean... There's five or six non-specific voices. I'm like, <laughs> definitely, definitely not enough people I just to represent. Re- I just, you know, number. I remember when he was having those flashbacks about the Stargazer. He kept talking about yeah. Vico. So he did know. talk about Vico a lot, but yeah, I didn't. I and since know. we know he Italian boat captained his way out of that ship, <laughs> we know no one else made it. <laughs> hey, man, he lost the Stargazer. <laughs> Still, it was. It didn't blow up. No, man, it was just out there for fifteen years or whatever. And then when the Ferengi brought it back, he didn't recognize it. I didn't know what that was. Never even heard of it. Now, listen, he probably didn't see it from the outside very much. What's a stargazer, though? I don't understand what you're talking about. My ship? Yeah. Um, uh, Maxia, 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 Maxia. I don't know, guys. I think this might be the wrong number. Fucking crazy. <clears throat> Q says they're going to spend eternity together, and then he wants to make sure that he has no regrets so he doesn't whine throughout all of the afterlife, and that's the actual setup for this. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's hard to figure out otherwise what the fuck Q is even up to in this one. Uh-huh. <clears throat> um... He produces Picard's artificial heart. And asks him, how'd he lose his real heart? 
I don't know why Q doesn't know that. This is the thing I already know the answer to, because I'm going to conjure up the image here in a second. Uh-huh. Uh, and when Picard says, a mistake, gets him to admit that he regrets many things from those days. Hmm. Then they watch a man in the old Star Trek movie uniforms with a full head of hair Hell get yes. stabbed through the back by a Nausicaan. Yeah. Picard says he was a different person then, but then there isn't like a boing noise where the camera zooms in on his bald head, so I guess that wasn't a joke. (laughs) He was reckless and arrogant. He says he started that fight, and if he hadn't, he wouldn't have been killed by a random energy surge 30 years later, which is weird because A, he was deliberately shot, and B, it's 43 years later. (laughs) It's like the scriptwriters didn't, like, they wrote it all out of order. It's like they wrote this part first and then uh, put the, wrote the first and last scenes at the end and forgot. Yeah, I put, does McCarthy think he died of a random energy surge? He must not have seen the Lanarians shoot him. No, he must even though not he caught one part. right in the chest, he didn't see it coming somehow. He knew somehow he'd been hit by energy, but that was all he had. Um. Anyway, the main point is, he says if he had to do it all over again, things would be different. Mm. And then he's standing in his current body, yeah, 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 yeah. but in the old uniform, which does not fit him well, which is weird. Did they just slap Shatner's uniform on him? <laughs> Probably. Uh getting slapped in the face by a woman. Two of his friends, Corton, Corey Zweller, and Marta, Marty Batanides, saw the whole performance and they're cheering him on and, you know, picking fun at him. And of course, they don't notice that it takes him a minute to get his bearings. No, no one ever notices that. He can't remember their names for a little bit. So I assume these two chuds got bluegilled in the real timeline. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. They were not very memory, observant. Memory is their weakness, and Picard misses a, a big one there, too. Yeah. But <clears throat> these guys, if they didn't notice that something's really, really, really wrong here, they're, they got done. They got conspiracied. Yeah, they make a joke about how he must have got hit harder than they thought or whatever, and it's like, no, 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 there's something wrong with him, guys. No. Did you not see how his eyes went, like, totally, like, his eyes were shaking. He was trying to figure out where he was. It's a real problem. If Ben, if Ben got slapped in the face and then turned around and looked at me really confused and then snapped his fingers and said, Judah Nielsen, Judah Nielsen. I would take him to the hospital. He's having a stroke. Yeah. Like this must be an unrelated stroke to that slap. This was just, yeah. a, that's a coincidence that that's what uh, that on. slap, uh, shook an aneurysm loose. Is that a thing? <laughs> yeah. Is that, how, is that how it works? Oh, he got slapped in the face and weirdly a blood clot detached somewhere else and went right into his brain. You hate to see it. Yeah, but no, well, you just go. <laughs> that's the that's the Johnny we all know and love. Oh, she slapped you hard, huh? Always trying to figure out what's happening. Uh, they leave and Q pops in and tells him this is all real and he can do it differently if he wants to. Hmm. And Picard starts to object that he doesn't want to change the future. And Q says, yeah... Not really. You're, like, not even supposed to be here. (laughs) It's the fucking fifth time we've quoted that. (laughs) But then he gives a guarantee that nothing will change except for his own life. Yeah. Uh, Picard now decides to play along and goes out on the date with the second woman named Penny. This is the reason he got slapped in the face. Yeah. He almost immediately offends her by calling her a handsome woman. Mm, Yeah, it's quick. And after she throws a drink in his face and he towels off, he heads over to the Domjot table 
where Corey wins his game and is then challenged by a Nausicaan. Mm. Picard tries to convince him not to play, but he can't. So he just goes over to watch, just stand there and talk to Q, and he tells him, yeah, the Nausicaan's cheating. I guess I could step in and stop that somehow. <laughs> I guess I could be like, hey, what's going on with your belt buckle, Nausicaan? But I'm not gonna. I'll let no, this play out. What if he stabs me again when I say that? <laughs> that guy's real stabby. I know that guy. Yeah. Uh, and he tells Q, later, Corey's gonna figure it out, and he's gonna ask me to help him get revenge. And then, sure enough, that happens, so we didn't need... No, Q, we didn't need to see him tell Q that. But no, Q spends the entire fucking episode on Picard's hip. He doesn't like observe from afar. He just like nope. sits in the room and makes fucking sarcastic remarks the entire time because they hired De- Delancey for this fucking episode, and they're like, "Oh, they're gonna get all the Delancey we can get." <laughs> That's the same reason they don't replace Picard with a younger actor. They're like, "Why? We got Pat Stu. Like, why?" Also, he he was just in Voyager, <laughs> or no, sorry, he was just in Deep Space Nine this week, right. last week. So he's warmed up. Like That's right, we're getting here. the real Delancey. <laughs> Guys, Two weeks in a row. I know you were. I know you were suspicious about this, but this is the real Delancey. We're getting the real stuff. <sighs> well, sure enough, the scene plays out as Picard remembers, but this time he refuses to help Corey rig the table and generally throws a wet blanket over the whole evening. But now here's something. Marty seems to like this new, more mature Picard. <laughs> because she's got real fucking problems. She, she's a mess, by the she's, way. She we'll is, talk about it probably for an hour. She's got... She needs to see somebody, I think. Oh, yeah. Because there's no reason that what he is saying and doing should make anyone even a little bit moist. Oh, no. But, <laughs> hey, that's Marty Botanides for you. That's right. You all know Marty. Uh, <clears throat> so she's getting into that until Q busts up the party by delivering flowers. Like he's he's putting himself in this now. Yeah. At this yeah. point. And now Marty remembers that uh, young Picard is kind of a playboy and she doesn't like that so much. So she leaves. Q has She nominal- likes the kind of man who would walk into the room and say, I, uh, I was making ass of myself with children. That's what she's into. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> That's her thing. <laughs> her thing is a man who wears a nightshirt and little shorts and opens the door and tells the sexy lady in lingerie that he finds her obvious and vulgar. That's right. Exactly right. Because he's scared. Right? Yeah. She has I, boobies I under there, probably, and he's scared. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Q has nominally come to tell Picard that Corey is rigging the Domjot table anyway, but he also plants the idea that, hey, this time, you could be more than just friends with Marty if you want. Mm. So he wants to see uh, some people knock boots. He wants to watch. Yeah, he doesn't want to see it, for sure. He wants to see Picard's old body on her young body. <laughs> yes, he does. He wants it so bad. He didn't explain to Picard that's why he didn't change his body, too. But yeah, that's, that's why, why he Picard it. doesn't... <laughs> It's not because they wanted. Listen, you're not doing Picard, but not Patrick Stewart. It's because. Uh, listen, likes, I want to see it. Q's got a specific thing in mind. I tried to do it with Vash that last time, but it didn't she happen. She wasn't so young I'm, looking enough. <laughs> this one only looks like she's in her early to mid 30s. Uh, <clears throat> Picard goes to stop Corey, and the two have an argument. 
almost seems like a friendship ending one, but they're going to have that one later, so don't worry about it. Yeah, this one's just the one before that. But it shakes Picard up enough that he goes to talk to Marty about it, and it takes like 60 seconds for them to start kissing. Oh, yeah, man. She's all warmed up because he, uh, you didn't see, but in the corner of the room, there are some little like cucumber sandwiches. Oh, shit. <laughs> he busted out for this one. <laughs> the good stuff. Well, that's you know? hard to resist. Yeah. Uh, the next morning, there's uniform pieces all over the floor, and Picard is shirtless in bed, but it's Q who's next to him. <laughs> he tells Q this time things are going to be different, and then he goes to the bar. <clears throat> But now, Marty is having unspecified regrets. So many, though. She's having so many, she can barely talk or look at him. Yeah. It's All like, um... <clears throat> it's hard to understand what she thinks has just happened. Well, I mean, look. <laughs> Let me see if I... <laughs> This lady is, I wrote here in the quick hitters, this lady is filled with regret at having slept with Picard. You think it's because he fucked her like a 68-year-old virgin? (laughs) I I don't think it was good, man. She doesn't seem like she thought it was good. That's all I'm saying. Listen, I assume it wasn't good, but also, so what? She's leaving the next day. But she is traumatized by how bad it was. I guess so. <laughs> I guess it's not actually regret. Huh? I guess it was not just, oh, that wasn't very good. I think it was very embarrassing. Everything that happened in there. Probably. Um, well, she's also very aware that they're all going their separate ways the next day. They have a get together planned for that evening. And she feels she's so fucked up about this <laughs> that she's like, no, we planned it. I have to go. <laughs> She can't even stand to have dinner with the guy. If I fucking... If I fucked a lady and that's how she reacted, I would be forever in my feelings. Oh, yeah. I would never get back out of them. I would just be like, this is what happens. I'm so... I'm so horrible. It's hard to climb out of that hole, for sure. (laughs) That I had sex with this lady and she had to force herself to hang out with me because it was a pre-planned event. Yeah. And by the way, the get-together they have that evening does suck. Yeah, Corey doesn't bummer. like him. She doesn't like him no more. Somehow she doesn't like Corey anymore either. <laughs> yep. It's just all bad. I think she found out she always really just kind of liked Jean-Luc. She didn't really like Corey at all. Now that she doesn't like Jean-Luc, she's like, fuck this. This whole thing sucks. Yeah. I could have had right. real friends. That's right. I've wasted my fucking time here. God, I hope I make some friends on my next ship. If I don't make any friends, I'm just going to kill myself. Jump right into the fucking stream. Like that guy. Left in a cell. (laughs) Like that guy, you know, Lieutenant Quan or whatever his name was. That episode's going to happen. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Um, The Nausicans come in and try to start shit, calling people Undari and saying they have no Garamba. Oh, I heard the Undari. I was like, oh, we fucking busted that out. These are my Nausicans. These are my guys. Oh, yeah, not, oh, sorry, not uh, the arch-British villains. <laughs> the erudite uh, Nausicans from uh, Enterprise? Yeah. No, these are the real deal. Unfiltered. Not only do you get unfiltered Delancey in this one, you get unfiltered Nausicaan. <clears throat> well, Picard stops Corey from getting in a fight, and that's the end of that friendship, and Marty follows him out, too. 
And that's Q, like the end of this whole time period. Yes. <laughs> that was it, man. Yeah. Q says, you did it. You survived. <clears throat> and then Picard is standing in a blue uniform on the bridge, holding a pad for Commander LaForge, who's not on the bridge. So that ain't uh, great. No. How did he, has he to get there? Ask Worf what his rank and position is. Why did Q have to leave him in such an embarrassing situation? No, I mean, Q's a piece of shit. He couldn't have left him in engineering holding that pad, so O'Brien, so uh, O'Brien, so LaForge could grab it and go, uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, you can go, I guess. Yeah. Um, Worf tells him he's a lieutenant junior grade in astrophysics, and the Enterprise is under the command of Thomas Halloway. Fucking finally. He, uh, he goes to sick bay, but of course Q is there. And Picard wants to know what he's done. And Q says, you got exactly what you wanted. You got a real heart, and you can live out the rest of your life in safety. You yeah. coward. That's right. <laughs> it's it he, so mean. You're the one who set this whole thing up. Why are you mad at me about it, Q? Uh-huh. I didn't do this. He goes to 10 forward, and Riker and Troy are sitting there. And he badgers them into talking, giving him an impromptu annual review right there and they hate it <laughs> they hate it he wants to know about the possibility of you know getting his career back on track uh getting back to command and they tell him he's steady and reliable but he Dude, it almost makes command. Riker laugh when he says that yes because Riker sees the old fucking shriveled up man in front of him talking about how he wants to get his career on track and Maybe Riker security. is wondering and why like, haven't you retired so. why are yeah. you here just retire you're old <laughs> they tell him he's not command material because he uh he fucking he takes no risks and he doesn't stand out in a crowd and it's all political <laughs> after they leave he starts trying to get q's attention and finally when he steps out of the turbo left he's back in the white void and q explains how this picard never Went skydiving or mm -hmm. Rocky Mountain climbing sure. or went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu. <laughs> right. And um, Picard admits this was all a mistake and he asked for a chance to put things back the way they were before, even though that's going to mean his death. Yep. And Q sends him back to the bar and he fights the Nausicans and he gets that sweet, sweet knife through the chest. And once again, he laughs when he sees the blade sticking but out. now we know why. He always laughed. Yes, now we understand the laugh was always a laugh about getting his cool life back. Yep. <sighs> uh, maybe. He wakes up in sickbay with the burn on his chest, but Beverly tells him he's going to be all right. And then, uh, he, I guess he gets cleaned up, and then he goes to the conference room to talk Riker through the whole thing. And he says he doesn't know whether it was a dream or one of Q's mm -hmm. little tricks. Yes, and yes, yes, then yes. he starts to tell Riker about an even earlier run in he had with Nausicaa's The End. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you interpreting all the <laughs> God damn it, Jocko. Stick to your own fucking show. Good lord. Hey, there's symbols everywhere. All That's right. the whole point of that episode, I think. <laughs> uh, was that the one? Hold on. Was that the one where he was fighting himself? Fighting? No, fighting the... But he was doing the boxing? Uh, maybe. I don't remember anymore. All right. Your experiences are what mold you and make you, you. Thanks. I gave it, I gave, that's three. I gave that a three. Thank you, I guess. Um, so, like, unless you're pretty pissed off about your life, 
don't do a time travel <laughs> or get sucked into a Q scheme or anything yeah, like that. Don't really go, go, go don't back really and change go your back life. And have sex with that girl yeah. you had in retrospect. Maybe you had a crush on, but you're not really it sure. Seem like it at the time because you're not you anymore. Because you were you forty something years ago. <laughs> so you're like, who knows if you really like? Anyway, her or not. don't do any of that. Don't do that. <laughs> I guess this is supposed to make you like not have so many regrets. <clears throat> but guess what, man? Regrets are great. Because we all fucked up a thousand times, and it's useful to remember that shit. And people with no regrets suck ass and just keep fucking up every fucking day and making everything worse for everyone. <laughs> anyway, it was, I don't know. It was a three. I don't know. What did you think? Yeah, I think the read here has to be that the things you regret about your past are also part of the person you are today. Uh-huh. And that the regret is ultimately <clears throat> not useful. Well, I mean, if you're Jean-Luc Picard, that's great. But what if you're Barkley? Yeah, this is but true. If you really, also, if you really would like to go back and change everything. They muddle it up in Act 4 with a sort of restatement of the thesis that you need to have your rougher personality traits, arrogance, recklessness, etc., to be hmm, a commander. Like in TOS Mirror Mirror. message. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Maybe that's an accident. Anyway, you see this regret take sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's never nuanced, and this is no exception. Yep. Like, Picard shouldn't be overcome with regret, sure. But there's also no indication that he ever was. Yeah, until Q was like, uh, look at you, your stupid artificial heart failed, idiot. Why don't you go back and fix it for me, right in front of me? And I'm going to ask you, you now, for rhetorical purposes, how you got it. <laughs> how you ended up with an artificial heart. Don't worry, I know the answer. I'll oh, is it lying. this scene I'm going to show you right now? Hmm, perhaps for interest. Mm, interesting. Sake? Yeah. Um, also, surely you should at least be mindful of mistakes you've made in the past. Be introspective mm. about them. You can't mm. just shout no regrets and keep doing the same the same dumb shit all the oh, time. Oh, good. So, so we were in the, we were in the same boat. It's the on exact that one. same. We have the exact same idea about this, and it's a three. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Great messaging as always, Star Trek. It's like I, I mean, I think you hit on the very important thing. This is not real. You cannot go back and undo these things. So. There's really, there's literally nothing I can do about it. All the yeah, things that actually, keep me awake at night, I can't do anything about them. Nothing you can do about them. Mm-hmm. It's just a waste of your time to not be able to sleep. Yep. How do we feel, ultimately, Matt, about the idea that maybe all of this was just a, a badly injured Picard's weird hallucination? I don't feel anything about it. Why would they get Delancey and show me all this bullshit just to have Picard at the end go, I don't know, maybe it was a dream. That's fucking nothing. I am choosing to believe this was Q's fantasy world. I think that's what we're supposed to believe, but, like, at the end, there's no evidence Q was even around. He doesn't show up in Picard's no. shitty Enterprise bed, you know? Or, like, yeah, he doesn't. doesn't bring flowers in at the end. He's not like, uh, while you were under, I was chatting with your Riker, and, uh... <laughs> Still, he's, he's, he's still not that bright. I thought he'd get smarter over time, he but sent, he didn't. He just sent him back, and then he didn't have any more thoughts. He didn't <laughs> have an I told you so or whatever. But No, that all happened in the white void. He was done after that. Yeah. Just went on with his um, day. I also misremembered this episode, and I thought that at the end, Q gave Picard his real heart back anyway, but apparently <laughs> that's not what happened. 
no, no, he just he let him live. He kept telling him he was going to die. So it was a, totally a false choice that he had to make. He kept saying, yeah. or die here at the, the because of the fucking random energy burst or whatever they think happened in there. Um, but then in the end, he just lets him live anyway. So what was that? Yeah. It was a bunch of crap. Uh, it's tricky either way, and Picard says as much to Riker at the end. Maybe Q was around, but this was just some Q bullshit, and none of those timeline changes would have happened anyway. Maybe this mm-hmm. was a dream. At the end, Picard doesn't really even know if things would have been different if he'd avoided the Nausicaan fight, but that's not the biggest problem with this episode. Okay. The biggest problem is this. I don't think there's any evidence at all that Picard regretted his choices. Nope. The whole thing kind of hinges on, like the episode Cupid did, the idea that Q has some knowledge of Picard's inner life that Picard himself doesn't have access to, mm. and he's here to guide him to a revelation. And yeah, I didn't go for say, it in Cupid, and I'm not going for it here. Maybe you should go back and change everything and see how it goes. And then when he does it, he goes, you idiot. Yeah. You fucking cowardly child. Like, you moron. Somehow, it's like, dang. Q's come to the conclusion that Picard is fucking tortured by a lifetime of regrets and he needs to teach him this nice lesson and it's like based on what like you taught like he had to teach him how to romance a woman or whatever yeah exactly like like he had to come in there and say to picard you really do care about romance it's not all nonsense to you or something yep or no love is a weakness that was q's pitch wasn't it um fuck i don't even remember maybe Maybe that's what he was saying, but then, like, he did work pretty hard to get those two kids together, it seemed like. I'm I'm just gonna check, but I'm guessing that episode didn't score, like, real, real high. Cupid, I can't imagine it did. Oh, not so seven, got a 17. Yeah, that's not good for TNG. Honestly, this episode's kind of on track to get a 17, so. <laughs> yep. Um. On to the actual craft of the episode. Hmm. I mean, Picard says at the end, he doesn't fundamentally believe Q would do him a favor. And that's a real problem, too. But so onto the actual craft of the episode is deeply unsettling to see old man Picard playing against these young actors. Yeah. It's uncanny in the best scenes and creepy in the worst ones. Uh, It's creepy basically throughout. (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah, I mean. But I'm not, I'm not 100% sure the episode wants us to feel creeped out until Picard is standing on the bridge wearing blue. I mean, that is creepy, too, for sure. He looks so pathetic. Uh, Also, thanks for giving the Nausicaans sexual menace on top of everything else, writers. I needed, I needed, (laughs) after a scene where a 20-something-year-old actress regrets her one-night stand with the Royal Shakespeare Company so badly (laughs) that she doesn't even want to go to the party... I needed the Nausicaans to come in and be like, maybe we'll play with her. And he becomes Mr. T from Rocky Three. Hey, Mama, you want to be with a real man? It's like, what? Where did that come from? I guess when it comes down to it, I would prefer a version of this episode where Picard realizes there in the moment, back with his buddies, that the choices he made were the ones he had to make. Hmm. Rather than letting him lose all his friends and then flash forward to a version of him where he's had one promotion in 43 years but hasn't quit Starfleet for some reason. <laughs> it's not good, man. Q really gave him the most pathetic fucking existence later on. I think no matter what he did to change his past or whatever, Q would have sent him exactly to that spot. Of course. No matter Again, what he did. We'll talk about this. I don't think Q has the power of time travel. 
I don't think he does. Because he's constantly getting beaten by Picard in the early episodes when they're antagonists. Yeah, he'd, he'd go back. He'd, he'd backstep seven days and fix that shit yeah. for sure. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of words, and I'm giving it three points. Yeah, I agreed it's a three. Uh, this CW drama about space cadets has been a tough watch all 50 times I've seen it. I don't like the bad senior moment Picard has on the bridge. I don't like Picard losing his virginity in Q's fantasy world. I don't like his friend saying, I don't even know who you are anymore at him dramatically. It's all gross. Yep. We get way too much Picard avoiding getting stabbed and way too little Picard's life is unbearable now. The episode is horribly uh-huh. off balance. Uh-huh. You don't even get to really see what's so bad. He, what, he has to report to Jordy? That's enough? Yeah, I- I've seen people comment on this and say, you don't know that Picard doesn't have a wife and kids. He doesn't even ask. No. He doesn't say, computer, give me the fucking biographical details of Jean-Luc Picard or anything like I mean, that. He just thinks to ask Riker about it. Not only that, but there's a fucking story here. Like, his thing is archaeology. Why is he in astrophysics now? Did he come to discover that he liked something better? And, like, how did he get to the flagship? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Picard calls himself a dreary man or something. You spend five minutes max in that part of the exactly. episode. It's crazy. They just fucked up the whole thing. Should have been, like, one scene where he avoids the bar fight. And then a lot of his world, which would be very disorienting to us as the viewer... Which would be much more effective, where we'd be like, wow, Picard's life is totally fucking different. And then they could actually spend some time explaining to us why it's so bad. So it's just horribly off balance. Also, at the end, Picard is like, oh, I can't believe Q would do me a favor. But, like, if he did, man, I really owe him a debt of gratitude. He's <laughs> no pretty, he's, he's a pretty great guy, huh? And you just think, all right, so... Even did if Q you ignore, write this episode? <laughs> even if you ignore the adventure he just put you through... What about all the crimes? He did so many crimes to you guys. People have died. It's bad. You owe him a debt of gratitude because he showed you that it was really cool and tough what you did in the past and you need that (laughs) artificial heart? What's happening? Yeah, that's rough. Honestly, in a way, I can see it being less than a three. If you'd given it a two, I would drop it to a two. (laughs) I'm baffled. Yeah, but there's no need to play score chicken. I'm baffled by this episode. What is, what was yes. this? What was it, everybody? And by the way, this is, I guess, where we usually talk about this, but, like, I've never liked this episode. No. <laughs> no. I expected it to po- have the potential to score points on the rubric, because at the end, Picard says, listen, my life was a tapestry, and that's why the episode is called <laughs> Tapestry, and I pulled on one thread, and the whole thing unraveled. But it's like, in retrospect, that's not what we saw. No, I didn't see any of that. Yeah, I might have cut out when I was beginning of my execution when I said this has been a tough watch all 50 times I've seen it. Yeah. It's just <laughs> not a good one. It's not one of the good ones. No, you said it, but I thought you were referring to all 50 times you'd seen a version of this story. Oh, no. I mean, literally this episode, I've seen it yeah. so many fucking times. <laughs> oh, because this is one people like because they think it means something. I'm... I would be very confused if somebody thought this meant something. If they said to me, you know what was a good one? Tapestry. I'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? World building, though. Give it to me. Uh, One of those weeks when Crusher has a huge, busy staff. All just fucking walking all over the place and being busy and getting things done. Where'd they come from? I assume they all got woken up. Like, that's all three shifts of her 
staff. Getting the emergency alarm. Getting the emergency alarm, yeah. Getting the alarm you get when the Denver hits a gravitic mine, but it's just one guy. It's just Picard. Uh, there was another guy, but she didn't care about him. There was no, a guy on the look floor when they beamed in. <laughs> Riker had like a little scrape on his head, too. Don't forget. Yeah, he did. <clears throat> uh, fucking Lenarians. Lenarians? Lenarians? You cannot trust these guys. Fuck those dudes and their compressed carry on beams. That's some bullshit. And by the way, Picard, what was Picard doing down there? I don't We're, know, man. Hey, Riker, you don't let him go down there, right? Yeah, that's your thing. This time, and look what happened. You better not ever let him go back down. <laughs> you fucked it pretty hard this time. Uh, that artificial he ain't Janeway. He don't do away missions. Nah, he's, he ain't Kirk. Um, that artificial heart looks pretty bad, man. It looks I mean, tough. It's conceivable that an artificial heart could look like that, I guess, but it does look like that thing would fucking it rattle looks... around in your chest in a shitty way. <laughs> it looks like one of those fucking hard suitcases, you know? Yeah. You don't want that in there. Don't put that in there. Honestly, if Q said, here's your heart, I would have gone, oh my god, is that what it looks like? Fuck! Uh, they didn't let me <laughs> see it because I was nearly dead, of course. That looks bad. Uh... You can clearly see the difference between the red of Q's TNG uniform and the red of Picard's old school tunic. Oh, yeah. There's a reason they call those the monster maroons. They're definitely yeah. a different red. They are a, quite a different red. Much less pleasing than than the old school tunic. Uh, Dom job. I guess <laughs> you have to, pool. like, you have to applaud after every shot. Oh, it does seem that way, huh? That's part of the rules? That's fucking annoying. And the cues are so tiny and stupid. Uh, well, the Nausicaan said maybe he'd let him use a bigger cue. <laughs> so I guess that's like a handicap, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, Baroque? That's another game. Apparently a better game, but uh, we don't get to see it, so. Nah, just Dom Job in this one. Also uh, in Deep Space Nine, they'll talk about Dom Job, but they won't talk about Baroque. They should have put a bunch of Baroque tables on DS9 just to show us how fucking cool it is. Well, also, I mean, that was early Deep Space Nine probably running the same time this ran. So they probably said, hey, they invented a game called Dom Jot over on the next generation this week. We're going to play a lot of Dom Jot. It's going to be huge. Uh, these are the uh, wild animal Nausicans. Yep. That uh, that I enjoy. Uh, whatever Starbase Earhart is. I don't know what it is. Seems like it was uh, a home away from home for aliens. Travelers, merchants, <laughs> and whatever the, whatever oh, you the mean fuck. How they were in the Zocalo? <laughs> yeah, whatever the fuck Captain Crazy says in the beginning of uh, season one of Babylon 5. Uh, and I said, uh, man, I could see a one, but I gave it a two, but I could see a one. Uh, well, here's something that I don't think you figured from this episode. Hmm. Nausicans were everywhere in the 2320s. Yeah, just they could up. just have an orbital station above some planet where cadets get sent to training. Yeah. When Picard starts to tell that other story, he's like, I was doing, in my sophomore year, I was doing training on this planet, and the Nausicans had a station in orbit. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, what are you talking what? about? Is that inside the Federation, or did they send you for training outside the borders of the Federation? <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's a good question. Domjot. Compressed Terry on beams. I gave it a one, actually. Yeah. Characterization. Uh, Here's Picard has had such a bad run with women. 
that he is capable of playing out a crush he had when he was in his 20s somehow. As an old man. Yeah. He also apparently regrets a lot of shit. Never seemed like that before. No, we just found out today. He always seemed like the kind of guy who would tell you that regrets weren't weren't helpful and that the mistakes made you the person. You know, like when he was telling... Like, here, I'm going to have a little chat with Wesley and tell him, hey, I didn't get into the Academy my first time either. Or, hey, I'm going to have a little chat with Wesley and say, hey, I made a really bad mistake once, but Boothby helped me make the right move after that or whatever. Or maybe talk to Wesley and say, one time I got stabbed by Nausicans and I have an artificial heart because of it. Isn't that, didn't yeah, he tell hey, him that? In a slightly different version of the story, I'm going to tell you that all of my friends were smart enough to give the Nausicans a wide berth, but uh, I started a fight with them and got stabbed. That was stabbed. a real fucking asshole. <laughs> I was a piece of shit. I used to be a piece of shit, but people can change. I used to get sloppy steaks at Trufano's all the fucking time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's unclear whether Q is in this one, and even if he is, his motivations are, as always, totally unclear. So I don't really have anything to say about his characterization in this one. Uh, And no one else is in it. I couldn't do better than a two. That seems fair. Uh, Let's see. From scene one, Worf always hates watching his space dad in trouble. I say, uh, what is Q up to in this episode? Is he just bored? Is he is he crushing on Picard? Like, what's the fucking deal? Why is he even doing any of this? Fucking Q showing up is like... It's like when you think, I should start a new Skyrim character when you haven't played it in a few months. Like he just fucking pops in every once in a while to play for a minute, and then he goes yeah. back about his business. That's right. Um, I like that Q has an ongoing beef with Beverly Crusher. <laughs> yes. I like that he considers himself above humans, but he keeps that little feud simmering. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That one's important to him. Just talks shit about her whenever he can. <laughs> Uh, Picard has, as you say, <clears throat> many regrets about being cool and tough. But then, guess what, man? He doesn't like being a confused old blue shirt lieutenant. So he decides, Kirk style, that fighting and fucking made him a real man after all. Uh-huh. He has to answer to Jordy LaForge for one minute? And he's like, I would rather fucking die right now on the fucking medical bed than ever take one fucking order again. If I'm not the one bossing people around, then why even be in this world? He knows Jordan's weakness is people management skills. I mean, it's true. You you wouldn't necessarily want to. As long as you don't step out of line. If you're a completely normal person at all times, then you'll be fine. It's a classic engineer promoted to manager. (laughs) Doesn't have this, except actually he's a pilot promoted to manager, engineering manager for some reason. He was pilot, the guy we used to leave in charge of the ship every three episodes, and uh, then we promoted him to chief engineer. Um, But yeah, man, if he's not the one bossing people around, then like, no, I'm not going to do it. Q, I'm going to come find you right now. Please kill me instead. What a fucking weirdo. Uh, We learned some stuff about Picard doing some shit on Milica 3. Uh-huh. And, uh, assuming command of the Stargazer when the captain was killed. Yeah, they give the briefest biographical outline of his meteoric rise to command a ship, then lose that ship, then maybe do nothing for 15 years, then suddenly become the captain of the Enterprise D. Yeah. And, um, also he really has it out for Nausicans, I guess. 
just goes right well, into these... another story about this other time I fucked with these fucking Nausicans. Again, during that decade, these fucking guys were everywhere. I guess. And they were so much dumber than they had previously been. <laughs> it was confusing to all parties. Everyone was like, what is happening? It's like they it's still rash have of space dumb stations. They still have space stations and starships and shit, but they can't build new ones and they just keep falling apart. <laughs> and now you see why. You see them, they fucking pop up and they're just fucking mouth breathers, but their mouths are also made of teeth. There's just teeth everywhere. Yeah, well, this is maybe what uh, the Nausicans discovered an illegal drug, and that's why he's so shitty about them in symbiosis. <laughs> maybe. Maybe uh, he's like, oh, yeah, you guys don't know, but these are the crack Nausicans. Like, they used to be good, and then they got really, all got really addicted to drugs. So, I, uh, yeah, so here's the thing I am not going to repair your shuttles or whatever my solution was. That's right. And this will be covered in a Lower Decks episode. We'll talk about it in Lower Decks. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, otherwise, we don't really need to care about characterization. As much as I enjoy Riker making up Picard's performance review on the spot, it ain't real. <laughs> it ain't really real, and it don't matter, and it's only there for one second, and I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, I mean, it was, that was the best scene in the episode, for sure. It's uh, He's clearly just making it up as he goes along. He has no idea what to say about this guy. He does not remember. Yep. So all he says is, uh, you're not memorable. That's, that's my critique. Uh, anyway, I gave it a three. All right. Uh, so, hey, it got all the way up to a 20. It's not going to win the week. The winner of the week is going to be Deep Space Nine. But do you have some quick hitters before sure. we close the books on this week? Let's see. Does Picard think he died of a random energy surge? Must not have seen the Lanarians shoot at him. Um, see, when people are like, man, how great would a show about the Academy be? I go, yeah, man, I've seen it. It's bad. <laughs> it's got regular doorknobs. It sucks there. They hire a bunch of 34-year-olds to play cadets who use both a person's real and nickname in the same sentence. And they like they have unrequited love, and it fucking sucks. Seriously, these people are like, hey, Jean-Luc, how's it going, Johnny? We're friends, so I can use both your names. Pow! Hey, look, I don't care about a show about the Academy. It just can't have any characters that we know in it. Oh, God. Well, they would fuck that up instantly. It's got to be new people. Uh, Marty really puts her feelings on Front Street, man. Listen, she got the sense that this something has changed and this guy's mature now and he can handle this conversation, I guess. I have the smallest ego in the world. I've got no gromba. Nothing. <laughs> My expectation is that every new person I meet will instantly dislike me. Even I would have known this chick was into me. Yeah. The way she's talking in this episode. <laughs> uh, I wonder how many times they had to remind the guy who played Corey... Now remember, you guys are the same age. You're best friends. He's not a grandpa. Like It's such a weird... All the scenes with those two guys are so weird. This episode's not about the age difference <laughs> in any way. You're the same, I said. God damn it, Corey. Um, and then again, this lady's filled with regret at having slept with Picard, 68-year-old virgin. Um, That Nausicaan? Orjo Las Riesnik. <laughs> yep. That was good stuff. I enjoyed that. Uh, Picard said the name of the episode. When he said the name of the episode, I went, fucking god damn it. Um, that was it for me. When Beverly says, what kind of weapon could do this damage? 
is she asking because Picard's uniform just has a big puddle of black bean sauce on it? <laughs> because if so, the answer is Pake's Noodle on Kylie. That's it's right. on Kylie Boulevard in Santa Clara. Yeah, someone spilled a whole bunch of Josh I'm gun all over this fucking guy. <laughs> it's the uniform doesn't have a hole in it. It's just <laughs> stained. Yeah, she doesn't mean, like, this is such an incredible amount of damage. No, what could have this done? damage this, is really literally weird. Like, it's just very weird. What's happening here is my question. Like, we have phasers that vaporize people very easily. Like, I know there are powerful weapons out there. This is weird, though. <clears throat> Um, they do a th- it's a throwaway line, but it seems like Doctor Salar is still on the ship. Ah, uh, they love to throw her name around in the background yeah. and all kinds of shit. They're not giving Susie Plax is not getting any work, but they are throwing her name around. Well, that's okay because she got to play a blue Andorian lady later on. That did happen. I thought it was very cool to have a man maybe six or seven years older than Patrick Stewart tell him he was dead before his time. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, these are like maybe eight voices from Picard's past. Picard as Locutus killed 10,000 people. Plus, uh-huh. you know, by this point, he's let at least one planet burn up for the Prime Directive. Oh, yeah. Well, he needed to protect himself. So he's definitely done that. What I thought was weird was that in the Blu-ray edition, they put Anakin's voice in there. <laughs> That, yeah, that was, was weird. weird. I didn't know, like it was it was Hayden Christensen. It was very confusing. So what was he doing in there? I was like what? What Picard do to him? <laughs> um, I've always disliked this transitional T-shirt version of the movie uniform. Give me the big turtlenecks, man. Yeah, I know. I do like them a lot. I think they just got a long sleeve T now, where the little department color barely sticks up at all above the collar, if it even does. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's good. the Enterprise C version. It's not the good version. It's it's not it's not as bad as the Enterprise C version. I guess twenty years later they had gotten rid of the belt too, but left the huge belt loop on the back. In this <laughs> one, they still have the belt. That's true. Kay's like, is that a little pocket on the back of that uniform? What is that? And I'm like, no. It's a huge fucking belt loop for a belt they stopped wearing. Yeah, it's a fanny pack. What's the big deal? I don't understand. Yeah, we all, we all got one. Um. Yeah, man, when I see that old school uniform, I just start thinking of things like entering neutral zone now. Yep. And just like uh, all the other good stuff, like with the guy who plays Captain Dathan. What's his fucking it's like name? They, they, they still had access to uh, his name. Terrell. Was. <laughs> Captain Terrell. They still, they still had access to those turtlenecks. Scotty just wore one in Relics this season. Oh, yeah, you're not kidding, man. He was definitely wearing one of those. Well, fuck. Yeah. What are they doing? Well, also, they just shot Star Trek Six. They definitely still had the turtlenecks. Well, then they made a bad choice, for sure. They did make a bad choice. Like, well, it can't be exactly the same. Some time oh has God, passed. Like, 40 years later, it can't be the same. Yeah. <clears throat> but also, it has to be the same uniforms. <laughs> well, we're not inventing a third different, because we've... Uh, Why are you no, acting confused? My orders are very clear. They have to both be the same and different. Yeah. A very cool acting assignment for this girl to make out with 57-year-old Patrick Stewart. <laughs> acting. Again, still someone screaming from offstage. You're the same age! You're not acting like you're the same age. You act like you're kissing an old man. You guys are the same. Now his breath doesn't smell like that. You're both on 22. This says 22. Is that right? That can't be right. Uh, I guess in the real world, 
Dr. Crusher managed to restart this guy's fused artificial heart. Yeah, man. She just kind of scraped that bean stuff off of him. She just tells him he's going to be okay now. She doesn't say, I don't know what happened. Your artificial heart started working again. Or uh, she's not. Whatever happened, whatever Q did, if he did anything, she doesn't know about it. It's true. Normally, if it was Q doing it, she'd say something like, I didn't do anything. Yeah, and then exactly. Ha- so maybe I don't know. Maybe Q wasn't there. Who the fuck knows, man? Well, that's the thing. Like, it is all set up so that it's entirely believable that Q wasn't there. But then, why did we have to watch the Q dream? Uh huh. When yeah. Oh, by the way, is there room for me to deduct two points if the whole thing was a dream? <laughs> what about do if I deduct it's just, one if it's a possible, it's possible dream? It's possibility if, of a dream. I do. I dr- yeah, it's a good question. Is it one for a possible Jacob's Ladder scenario? <laughs> It's about time we invoked the name of Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> I'm not going to waste my time on that, but um, also he decided to talk about this whole scenario with Riker of all people, even though in the bad future, he went to talk to Beverly about what was going on. Yeah, and found uh, Q doing an impression. Uh-huh. Yeah. But maybe it's because he didn't want to tell Beverly he did it with a 21-year-old. So then I fucked her, right? She hated it. She, let me tell you, she did not like it. She hated it, and she hated me. She uh, rushed out in the morning before I was awake. <laughs> I didn't have time. Then, to, when I was in the future, I didn't have time to check on many things, but I checked on her. She killed herself. Yeah. Three days later. the only thing I looked up. Horrifying. I'm going to have to live with that forever. I don't even know if it really happened, but I'm going to have to live with that. Um, Best actor. I really liked Picard or Riker searching for something to say about this 65-year-old lieutenant junior grade and offering up punctual. punctual. Yes, indeed. It really was the best part of the episode. I wish we'd spent so much more time in that in that fake time period. Yeah. And uh, as far as worst actors concerned, um, I guess they must have got a hard no from Joan Cusack, huh? <laughs> Take that. Take that, Marty. She just wasn't interested. Didn't want to do Star Trek. No. <clears throat> no, I mean, I don't think they ever got any of the Cusacks. That's too bad. Not as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Well, numbers uh, are in. Yeah, we did it. It was another bad week, man. I see a lot of red. I see one <laughs> This one's greens. pretty much all red. One we little green square. Inquisition, some premise points, and yeah. that's it. Look at that. That's nice to see. Oh, I guess last they week had there to... was even more green squares. Introduce. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, last week um, face did not enemy. score better, but it was it was swingier. Yeah, face of the enemy had a nice little uh, a true green square for characterization. Look at that. Wait, a nine yeah. gets you a green? In characterization, it does. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> that's not the darkest green. No, no, no. That's not you know dark green, but that's a that's a nice green. You, you, but you'd only have to get to eleven to get the darkest green. So <laughs> don't. Oh, no, I guess there's one even darker than that, but no one has scored one of those in... I'm looking for characterization. <laughs> no one ever scores in characterization. Oh, boy. Holy shit, To man. get that, of 12, to get that real good green, you got to get all the way up to... I 16. see a 16 with yeah, one. Yeah, Sins of the Father. Sins of the Father. Um, got a 16. Oh, boy. And 17 the best ever, the so a 15 enough to get it Yeah, for the bonding. Okay. That's a pretty good episode. Wow. Yeah. 15, it looks like. Yeah, 15 is the cutoff for the, the next one. But yeah, so anyway, that was the only bright, the only shining light this week was the characterization 
uh no sorry was the premise in inquisition uh yeah. it's uh gonna be a 20 for tapestry and a 25 for inquisition deep space nine wins the week that's their 50th win hey man that's a cheap win but they need it oh they need it yeah. they're still eight out they're they're eight out <laughs> with three fewer episodes to play than uh tng so sometimes you just got to get lucky yep being lucky is as important as being good in this game well, they're back to being over a hundred points behind the next generation after their latest after their week run lately. But they are over a thousand points ahead of Voyager, so don't worry about that. <laughs> Voyager sucks so fucking bad, dude. At premise, they're the worst. At execution, they're the worst. At world building, they're the worst. And at characterization, they're the worst. Yeah, <laughs> that's how they nothing right. <laughs> that's how they ended up down so low. Like even Enterprise, which sucked. You look at it like. Their premise score is at least in the same range as the other three more uh-huh. decent shows. They're yeah, they're. I mean, they would be the bottom if there were only four for sure. But. Third place in execution. They're third place in world building. They are back and forth again for characterization. But like at least well, in some cases, they were kind of in the range of the other shows. But Voyager is just like I mean, nah. world building is an absolute <laughs> weakness for Voyager. Their average is a four point three. Now they don't get the benefit of being it's in easy a to say they don't get the benefit of, of yes a universe full of shared stuff they're in a different part of the galaxy and they're not supposed to be sticking around counterpoint they sure do yeah i know i know how many episodes with the vidians how many with the kazon yeah they did stick around especially seasons 1 and 2 man here Jesus. come the borg again right like yep. yeah yeah All next right. week yeah what do we got Next week, we've got Birthright, part one. The Get boring, ready to see really young Bashir again. Yep, yeah, the boring setup for what has got to be a pretty buck wild part two. Yeah. Yeah, man. Imagine if the take for Birthright, part one is, what are dreams, though? I, I mean, look, man, it's fucking possible. <laughs> There's so much data in that one. Worf is just kind of like, I don't know, I heard something about my dad. Anyone know about my dad? I heard dad? a rumor that my dad might be alive, and if so, that sucks. Anyone that sucks know? for me personally he's, and professionally. He's waiting for death like Clag's dad? That's bad. Oh, I can't handle that. I made so much fun of Clag. <laughs> when Riker came back from the Pach, we used to just crack on Clag. All the That's time. actually kind of the basis of our friendship. So We both have t-shirts that say crack on Clag, and now <laughs> it's going to be crack on Worf. <laughs> Uh, Deep Space Nine in the pale moonlight. Mm, I don't really remember. Um, mm, uh, um, well, it's better than wrongs darker than death or night, just based on you know luminance. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, let's see. Oh, this is the one where he, where Cisco does a big crime to convince the Romulans to join the uh, the war. Ah, okay. Oh, that man. wasn't Inter Alia Silent <laughs> Legacy or whatever. No, the- man, this is gonna be fuck. This is gonna be one with a real fucking aggravating plot uh, device, where he does the whole thing in a, a personal log that he deletes at the end. Oh God! Yeah, oh, that sucks. Oh, I hate it already. <laughs> yeah, it's not good, man. I will. But be there's describing- a lot of Garrick. There's so much Garrick in it, so maybe. Okay, well that's good. Yeah. I will be describing next week's Voyager, which is Fury. Cass returns and she's pissed off about something. She's yeah, she's on one the whole fucking time, basically. You know when Gary came back, he kind of wasn't on one, but she's no. not like Gary. No, when they checked in on Lizzie, she was just a sad day drunk. 
to a non one. That really was depressing. I can't believe they put that in the show. They should have looked at each other and said, we can't really. We shouldn't put this in the show. She hasn't had a job in like fucking years. Let's do another episode about how nobody wants to shoot this show at their own apartment. (laughs) Those are so good, though. When the whole cast and crew just show up at Kwong Su's apartment or whatever. And they just walk in and start messing with all this shit. (laughs) Going on his computer to see if he's looked at porn and stuff. (laughs) It's very good. It is very good. Maybe shitting up his bathroom, you know? Oh, I'm sure. You think, I mean, you think John Cook doesn't blow up a bathroom? He must (laughs) eat so weird. He eats nothing but protein. It can't be good. good. No, he's got the weirdest shits for sure. He can mess up a bathroom real bad. What Kwong Su should have said to his dad in the episode where they meet his dad is, this guy blew up my toilet so bad, dad. Instead of, this is the guy who always hits me, he even hits me when the camera's off. Um, those are the episodes we're watching. Birthright, part one, In the Pale Moonlight, and Fury. We really fucked um, up not making this a Running Man podcast. It's a uh, real wait, fuck listen. up. <laughs> I started the spreadsheet already. I know, but you haven't we been in, in the years. Podcast. I still update it every once in a while. Oh, uh, do you really? Yeah, man. I watched one, I don't know, two weeks ago or something. I updated it. Uh, well, we, we, good news. We would only have to watch one episode a week. Bad news. There's seven thousand. There's a thousand of them by now, and also they're ninety minutes long. Seven hundred ninety minute episodes we'd have to watch. So that's a tough project. That's a tough one. I think we should watch five at a time, just like we used to for Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, just watch seven and a half hours of Korean television with subtitles, so you can't look away. I mean, I'm gonna all this Star Trek time is gonna be free, so I should that's fill a it good up. Point. Uh, it's going to be free. We only have 36 more weeks left of this project. Now, <clears throat> the next time we that's... do this will be in 2024, and we're not going to do 36 in 2024. So, no, that's a lot. We're not there yet, but like, hey, only 36 weeks left, right? Yeah, you know, we're getting there. I, I'm sorry. I, I can't feel that encouraged about it. <laughs> when I think 2025, it's, that's still too far out. So, uh, all right. Well,. I mean, we did it. Yeah, we did. Uh, I guess for this week, I'll just say, Orjo Las Riesnik. Everybody. Uh, anyway, Harry Kim just comes out of the fucking bushes like Shoeless Joe out of the cornfield and helps Falana <laughs> get the transmitter running again. Baffling. <laughs> he says he walked 200 kilometers. <laughs> <to find> <laughs> Please subscribe.